after reading that law line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. Yeah, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Tell uh talk it's got banned again. Banned banned have been it's taken off the interwebs. And uh we're um got a huge huge drink there. I'm worried about it spilling. But uh yeah <laughs> thinking I thought I'd been playing by the rules. But I thought I'd been uh, walking the line, but no got uh got banned by YouTube for uh, at least it wasn't a sexually titillating content this time <laughs> apparently <laughs> medical misinformation me telling you that uh although shades doing their duty i don't i don't think it's appreciated <laughs> band baby band yeah um so today uh we'll have a chill stream cozy cozy stream i'm gonna uh chat with uh saint nick he's got um he's got to go to work so uh, we've got to squeeze them in, and I'll do that real, real quick right now. Um, if I just get my Discord sorted out, let's try this. Boom! Give him a, give him a tinkle on the old, uh, on the old blower. The old Good girl. evening. Ah, Nick, how are you, sir? I'm okay. Is uh, it is it nine fifty p.m.? Ten fifty p.m. for me. So uh, an early start. Oh. Oh, it's daylight savings. You guys don't observe it. No, no, we keep real time here. Everything. You've got a pin in it. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, I hate daylight savings. Well, no, I don't. I don't mind it when it goes back an hour. 
but it should just stay it, back an hour. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's that extra hour of sleep on Sunday that everybody always talks about. <laughs> so how in the world did you get uh, this fellow on? And by the way, we're not live, are we? We are live, so... Uh, well, we are. Good morning. morning. Okay. <laughs> so, I'll put on my put on my, my grown-up behaviors. <laughs> mm. um, so, well, let's let's just say this. We're, we're, on, we're on backup channels anyway, and um, I, I don't know if you heard that. I got, got banned again, Nick. I can't believe it. I was playing it all so straight, but my, my bigger YouTube channel, and you know, that being on, that will guarantee 100 people coming in to listen, right? Um, um, they take they take that away and boom you, you, you're struggling with 30 40 people and that's not struggling that's great I, I remember I would I would have to speak to two three people ten people when I first started doing this and um, it they know what they're doing when they're when they're hitting that sensor button right they know it works and um, anyway despite that and um, yeah for those that are listening in not this Saturday, next Saturday, uh, we'll have a round table and hopefully Nick will be there. Um, it will be approximately, uh, 5 PM central European time, which will be a awful time for me. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe an awful time for you. <laughs> as well <laughs> but, so people please um mark, mark it in your mark it in your diaries um can't hear me on discord ah your voice has been disconnected because you connected at another location what why reconnect is my phone up here reconnect yeah you know what? I'll just use Zoom. Use <laughs> Zoom. Yeah, the, all all the demons are after me at the moment. God damn it! New meeting. Bloody hell! Sorry, Nick. Sorry. Not streaming on YouTube. Now I'm banned on YouTube. Banned. What can I say? I'm banned. Always look, and now Zoom won't work. Fuck you! Come on. So tell me up, boys. God damn it! Connected to computer audio. Yeah, look. Why? Um, let me close Discord. Maybe it's just something's competing for resources. Just got hit. No, uh, I'm just trying to reconnect with. Um, Nick, and I'm trying to get Discord to work, and and now Zoom, Zoom is not working. Um, what's the, what's the matter with it? It's so stop up boys, messing with everything. Yeah, computer looks good. Uh, I could maybe maybe start Discord again. God, just it was working, right? Can't, can't hear me reconnect there we go ah i don't know what's going on there dude and i was trying to zoom zoom won't give me a participation uh invite and now yeah, it, it would let me join the call but there was no audio but this last time i, I heard so okay 
so you didn't you didn't i i heard you for a little bit and then you you must have heard something right because we changed the topic of conversation uh we pivoted yeah yeah no i heard you i heard you until you were in the middle of a phrase and then it just sort of went dead and then i tried calling you and calling you and getting back in the original call and i couldn't hear any audio so so help you up boys telling you messing with me (laughs) that doesn't have anything to do with that button pusher sitting behind (laughs) your desk does it (laughs) uh you clicked it you clicked it wrong no No. like the computer is i don't know it's just it's just sort of i got some glitches going through and uh I, i don't know i don't i don't consider this computer clean in any fashion whatsoever and um my network's not either because i've got young kids on it all the time and hi chihuahua okay yeah they're they're, um they're pulling all sorts they're 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 literally better at scripting than me now well you'd have to start over with uh unix images you know and and put a vpn out at your switch level and basically re-anonymize yourself at that point so i keep doing that doesn't matter (laughs) <laughs> the N- when the nsa wants to know the nsa is going to find out so yeah, pretty, pretty much so well so what's been happening you've been um on some very very good streams um i've enjoyed listening to them uh jc obviously um mark and um i wanted to ask you a uh, question sure please um which is you know what seems like a dark frustrating time now for many people and um you've obviously been at this far far longer than uh, you could add up everyone that sort of works around in this uh, in this domain and i think there would, it would probably might get close to how many years you've been um researching right get trying to trying to work out what's going on behind the facades um yeah and reconciling doing you know going about it with a uh essentially um looking at the original whistleblower's material with complete skepticism i didn't buy it for a minute i just thought you know like most people um, you know, my common sense and my experiences in life don't include these things that that this uh, these these theories are all about. So it has to be bullshit. That's just egotism. And it took a while to step on the ego and then say, okay, you know, there's enough about. I would pull up a paper, realize that there was a legitimate point in it, find another one, start seeing how they connected together, uh, and began substantiating Horowitz and Strecker and Cantwell. So I had to just make a decision that I was going to, uh, let's see, I had a, there was a, a, a New York survivor. He was actually in New York in 79 when people started dying. And he said that I'd performed an actuarial accounting. That's, that's an insurance process, but it means a horribly <laughs> detailed and relentless um, assault on every aspect of a theory or a case and you know either rejecting or confirming the evidence so that's that's what I've been going through I've only been talking with people about this openly since about 2017 and considering the overlap now that we're seeing because they're ve- they're very obviously is you you would, mm-hmm. you would have to be um I'll try and keep the uh, 
there's salty language to women in my, at the moment. But um, considering the movement that we are seeing, it, are you hopeful for um, something approximating justice? Um, so you're in Japan, and you know Giant Robot. <laughs> giant robot when you know i'm sure you watched those back in the day um or the voltron when what is it five or six robots jump together and they become giant you know become voltron um we we have to become voltron we we have to continue um to respect and uh, you know my my hope would be that we um we we respect and give a, a platform for the lyme community for the breast cancer community, for the AIDS community, for the coronavirus community. Um, you know, uh, we can talk about XMRV. We can talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, potential other events or vectors that might well have been biowarfare. But I, I think um, we're going to be easily uh, defeated simply from the power of the media just that people turn it on and they think well it's it's on cnn or it's on fox or it's on whatever my big brand of media is so they you know that there's there's just that apathy can, in can human beings can you make that argument right now that the veil is is the thinnest it's ever been for um, I think so. I think so. And particularly with the coronavirus piece of the, of the discussion, because there's so much microscopic and, uh, and patent evidence and peer review papers that go back 20 years that show all the bits and pieces and the mechanics of uh, going from the concept to test to deployment. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel like we're at a precipice, uh, but I still think the power of, you know, I, I tweeted a while back about a, a quote from Father Marin in The Exorcist when he's trying to prepare Karis to go back in the bedroom and fight, you know, Pazuzu. And, you know, Is he that says something. Was Pazuzu? That, was, that was the that was the name of that demon it was a winged demon and they i don't think they named it in the movie they named it in the second movie and they went back to the middle east and went back to more of the history of marin and all of that but marin is talking to karis and says um you know the devil will mix lies with the truth um the attack is psychological damien it's powerful and um that rings true today for me it's like uh uh, when I see uh, certain members, uh, and I'm I'm going to be very cautious this morning about names, uh, but when I see uh, uh, people going forward and discussing, essentially taking a turn, you know, going through a sea change and saying, well, I thought it was this, but now it appears it's more this. And you know what those changes are. Uh, I'm automatically suspicious. Um, it doesn't mean that everybody that's getting airtime and, and going through that kind of a turn uh, is uh, is to be suspect. There's plenty of people who are grappling. They're struggling between I believe in the science versus I believe in what I've witnessed in the last three years. You know, they're they're in that state of of uh, contention. Um, but I think that um, there's a concern with how media channels work and the relationship that they have with intelligence agencies. And I'm talking about two different types of animals. We're talking about an embedded asset, someone whose career 
has been to be a controller and a watcher from the intelligence level. And then there's a second type of asset, and those are, they call them, you know, in-field agents, you know, in-country in agents. Someone that gets a box of money or has some incriminating evidence filmed, and then it's leveraged against them. Whether you're talking about um, the Epstein, you know, Epstein issue or uh, just cheating on your wife, uh, whatever it would be, snorting cocaine off a hooker's ass. They, 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 hey, different people. Hey, wrong with that. What's the matter with you? I'm not going to. Hey, I'm not going to talk about your weekends in Thailand. You do whatever, <laughs> whatever you like. But uh, the, the issue is, is that you get leverage and then they're yours. And, you know, this is this goes back to there's there's all kinds of folks who have deconstructed the intelligence community the tactics people and in, in individual cases you know so there's there's a lot to go back and look at but it seems like the folks that are getting on tv today and getting mainstream air and we're you know nobody's made it to good morning america that will be that one's definitely i think going to be a psyop when someone gets to go on gma mm -hmm and affect moms and stay openly what a lot of moms have known as they watch their families deal with um you know the jibby jab uh, but i think i think that's uh, for me that's a concern i'm i'm in a state of high scrutiny about people that are able to get into mainstream uh airtime and say their piece uh i all i can do is wonder about uh the pieces behind them the people the the entities behind them um and that's you know that's tough because it makes it doesn't make it easy to you know sort of keep uh, uh well, i guess uh, a clear apparently or... nick um malone what's that robert malone might have been on good morning america mm -hmm. maybe oh maybe okay I, i'm not okay. sure i don't know maybe someone can confirm that in the chat but um, some, okay. I hadn't that. seen that. I, I would have, I was kind of watching for GMA there. They're, you know, it's, it's just one of those feel good, uh, you know, it's like PBS. You yeah. think it's this, this, uh, wonderful, um, uh, you know, institution of independent traditional journalism, investigative journalism, and then come to find out, no, everyone is tied to their money. And so that's part of it. Well, uh, you know, this, the, the subject of streaming matter in the last couple of weeks, not just for myself, of course, but, you know, this is obviously work that Mark has done a lot of. And, you know, that's looking and yesterday. So exhibit A being Robert Malone, basically making a plea that um, in, in this time, <laughs> excuse me, um, in this time that we should be um, we shouldn't let uh, that the accusations of controlled opposition stop us from moving the dial right now. And, you know, what do, what do we... I, I, I can appreciate the sentiment of what he's saying, right? And um, in, in this instance, much like when he was talking about children, I can, I can get, get on board with what he's saying. Now, I'm not... Um, I've, I've never spoken to Robert Malone. I've, I've thought about reaching out to him and um, streaming, but I've, I've never, I've never wanted. Not, not that I haven't wanted to, but um, I, I would. My discussion with him wouldn't be SARS. It would be about ethics and um, the institutional ethics around which he would, he would, he was operating. And I'm. 
I would I would have to think more. I'd have to really sit down and work through what I what I wanted to ask and what I what I what I would expect in terms of um, you know where where would I draw the line with saying okay um, that's that's okay that's not okay I'm going to dive deeper on this you know I don't, and I'm I'm conscious of I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that a lot of people are sort of rallying around him and um for the sake of you know is it is it the right move just for intellectual satisfaction to say yeah i nailed that individual because he's got a past that can be easily raked through the coals um that's that's something that i'm wrestling with a lot um i think it's good to to look at that and to um consider your choices every time you've got an, an impulse to um, attack um, because that's that's traditional fisticuffs in science and medicine right yeah you you know you you either attack the evidence uh you bring counter evidence you support the evidence or you attack their character you know and that's yeah, the, the character, character assassination sometimes is, is okay if you know if you know that they've been up to no good if you know that a lab has been playing um fast and loose um, mm -hmm. it's completely legitimate to um, bring that into the academic debate. Well, for the benefit of those of us who, who haven't had your career and your path, can you tell us a little more about that kind of a scenario? So it, let's, let's, let's take exactly what you just described, a lab that um, has become known to have um, lack standards, they don't follow protocols, they kill studies because the animals are all dying and they start the studies over and just tweak the formula a little bit. Um, what uh, can you can you help us understand the landscape there? Is are there generally one or two paths that happen, you know, that happen afterwards? Do they either go down the can or they get their act together and they get welcome back in the club? What, what have you seen well, all, happen? All of, all of the above. And usually, usually what I've seen is, is that there's internal reporting. Um, often that can be malicious um, in, in those sort of frameworks. I've seen those abused. Um, mm -hmm. But usually, usually it'll start internally and there'll be um, something made. But again, that comes down to the lab, how much money they're bringing into the institute, how much clout they have, etc. There's There's lots of factors that come to play. Um, in the in the public space, um, it, I, if I was to, and I've done this, is to point out a data and say, how did, how did you do this? And point out that we have something different. And Kevin, Kevin the Aries picked fights with his uh, fellow scientists. I, I can't imagine that happening. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I, I made for a good, um, what did you say, post-lecture post, uh, post question. Question. My, pardon my my comedy interruption, but no, uh, no, so no. you were saying, so you so you've been involved in uh, in criticism of of uh, you know peers or competitors. Yeah, if it's and I've been on being on the receiving end of it as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it it can be a pretty rough and tumble um, environment, and you know, some of my um, mentors been on the receiving end of it. Um, the, the, and you know, there's there's the research community is often very small when you when you think about it you know if, in my field if there were if there were a, a hundred labs of note globally 
yeah, I, I would I would put it in that number, right? It would be stretching it to to especially primate. You could yeah, you could whittle that number to below, <laughs> well below a hundred, okay. right? Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's um, so the question is, um, are, are they always ostracized? I suppose. Mm-hmm. Are they voted off the island, or do they get another chance? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're saying. Often I've Maybe seen they, they get another chance. I've seen that yeah. many times. Okay. Move position, okay. um, pull contacts, etc. Um, because people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Um, they don't necessarily go on a mission to destroy the other, but to take corrective action is what I hear you saying. Yeah, I think it would be it would be rare to see the levels that you're seeing right now right right now we're, we're literally at the point where the red buttons are being pushed at multiple levels mm-hmm. um, before or, or previously i would say usually it would be kept within the at least the community i mean i can think i can think of a very good japanese example it was called the um stap cell controversy and that this was at an institute that I'm associated with where they were claiming to be able to get pluripotent stem cells um, just by, I, I think, I think it was like just changing the pH, something, okay. um, something really simple. And um, eventually it ended up with the PI hanging himself in the hallway. The postdoc got um, heaps of opprobrium poured onto her and um, there was um the PI committed suicide at the facility. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Japanese, dude. What you expect? They're lucky they didn't. He didn't. Uh... I will never be able to wrap my head around that because uh, I am. Uh, I, I worship the Phoenix. You know, I'm. I'm Greek, so you know we have more of that Mediterranean. Uh, you know, I'll live. You're, you're... I will live. You're a burnt pizza crust, you know, about, uh, you know, the all of the pantheon of gods. But I believe in, you know, rising from the ashes. And if you have a fallback, or you have even a major loss in life, mm. I mean, look at AIDS. Mm. There were, you know, if we'd all just run into the fire, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm. But I got, I was obstinate from the, from the get-go. Anyhow, but, uh, so you were saying. Um, well, just, you know, again, it, it's, it's a complex situation. So, it, it, you know. Do you, do you just preemptively burn any any contact because of um, past dealings? And mm-hmm. I, I I think that to have that type of binary thinking would be uh, you're limiting yourself right now. Of course, you could be opening yourself to machinations from the other side. I get it, um, but you know I will. Example B being um, the discussions that I've had around Jeffrey Sachs um, in the last stream that I did and the last I don't know if you saw it, but he literally laid out everything that I've been arguing and others have been arguing that we're dealing with. And this is the bigger issue that we're dealing with DOD entities, structures and it's it's that that needs to be rammed home right now right to really yes. pierce that veil is is to say to people you've been the victim of these programs right and those programs aren't your grandpappy's programs they're mixed now with the corporate 
world and it's very blurry the government and industry line and the, the cause and effect yeah i heard someone yesterday talk about eisenhower's warning mm. and i'm stunned at how often those words come back to my head mm. you know of their pursuit of undue influence and power uh and he he knew he he, he knew because he lost control of the dod and the ic during the 1950s um, Truman, at two years past, wanted to put the CIA back in a box. He went publicly on record and said, I regret this decision, and this is not you know, turning out the way we expected. Uh, and nothing happened. So, yeah, this is a... This is a huge, this, it's, the DOD has its own behavior. You know, it's, it is more of the known. You, you can, it, it's got bases, whether it has black sites or not, you know, I mean, you, you've seen what Guantanamo has been in the news and in world politics for, for years and years. But the, the ICE is a completely different creature. And there, I'm not going to say the FBI is the NSA is the CIA is the DIA, etc. There are so many subcompartments, but it's about their, their practice of putting on a costume. Speaking of Halloween. They dress up regularly. As a matter of course, they never want to be interpreted as an intelligence agency. They want to be seen as American Scientific Supply, Inc. Or whoever else. And that's where I was coming back to. Some people are long-term and some people are a paid resource. So you've got, you know, you've got think, fixed or, or, or firm asset versus a flexible asset and that's and that comes yeah right back to what you said this is we're dealing with um these these structures but it, it it's a fair or in my mind the pressures on those entities and structures eventually you know what eisenhower was speaking about truman that eventually those groups are going to reach a point of critical mass where something you know it does spill out into the public it, and I, I'm, I'm how would you say wrestling again with this this idea that it's still human beings in there right and um, so they not but they're not monsters and they're not all powerful and they're not omniscient mm. yeah mm. yeah mm. and so well I I don't know what that looks like it, it, when you, if you were running a puppeteering show and your job was, say, to be involved in geoengineering operations. And uh, your job was to maintain the supply chain for coal fly ash or a highly specified type of, say, uh, a strontium aluminum nanoparticle in suspension. And that was your world. You, you weren't in charge of security. You weren't in charge of uh, long-term planning. You weren't in charge of the airplanes. You were just in charge of that part of the supply chain. You would be cordoned off in that honeycomb, particularly if it's an illegal op or a black op that they, they've told themselves, well, this isn't illegal because we want to do it and we're the DOD or we're the CIA, so we're going to just do this anyway. Mm. That's what they, that's what they to have told themselves since the end of the war. And, and look, I, I, get, I get that the... The world is a messy place, right? Yep. And um, you know, sometimes you got to get your hands dirty. 
I, 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 I get all that, right? I, you know, there was a there was a time not so long ago I would have been all for um, I, I don't know what, what seems like the manifestation of the new American century, right? <laughs> Full spectrum dominance, but um, it, mm. it it hasn't it doesn't look it's not a good look actually that's a good way of thinking about it doesn't look good for the ideals that is america which i what happens what happens in primate communities when one of the animals tries to take over do they get to be king or does everyone gang up and kill them and pull them apart so usually so chimpanzees are the classic uh study model for this and they're they're matriarchal aren't they uh chimpanzees no macaques are matriarchal oh okay uh, so in in a chimpanzee if you get a big alpha that's a bully mm-hmm. and he he's he's not he's non-reciprocating to the rest of the um it's not shared power yeah um then what happens usually is two smaller animals will take him on and usually usually two versus one is a sort of given result mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it, it you have to have some reciprocity all the time and um there's a, well there's a natural law right that's understood about you know what what is sort of fair what's look i don't think a chimpanzee troop is the best the best moral arbiter by which no not at all that's 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 not our compass <laughs> um but being that that's you know we we both have uh, you know a concentric domain about the the primates i thought mm. that would be a good example to say you know how do how do other species deal with this type of deep fundamental dissension from creating equilibrium it seems you know it like you said the world is complex it, there it's it isn't a binary model you can't just it's it's not going to be three colors and that's it and that's and everything in in life fits into that model it doesn't um we we have all kinds of forces but it feels to me after the number of years i've been on this planet <laughs> that there are there are people who um, uh, regardless of emotional and psychological accoutrement, uh, the, the backdrop of how they, they feel and express and react about things, fundamentally, they contribute toward an equilibrium. And then there is another smaller but powerful sect of the society at large, in every country, in every measure, who bifurcate and go towards um, control, destruction, descent chaos you know they're they're a completely different creature and it's you know it's it's interesting to me to see our the american intelligence community going from being apparently the savior of world war ii i mean that's where they got all of their ego and power Mm. were the things that they managed to pull off and you and i know all of those paperclip scientists that were brought back afterwards they said look what we found we got the prize we got the biological scientists here you guys go over to merck uh, we got the uh, rocket just, scientists. Just, just uh, mm-hmm. to add, uh, sorry to interrupt, but no, 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 uh, please. I, I want to bring this to to what we've been discussing lately, which is yesterday we had Jeffrey Sachs say that the 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 communities of he used he used the examples. He must have been watching Mark. 
and convinced, right? Where he said that he said the physics um, and the biology, and he he put another one in there uh, uh, as well. Have been taken over by these um, defense orientated um, organizations. He he laid it out step by step, and I'm I'm sitting there and thinking, okay, that's that's um, well, it, it it's great that someone who people will listen to is saying it for sure. Right. Because we could talk about this endlessly, but if we, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not going to fix it. And if we reach thousand people, it's a good day, especially if they've taken a, a, a channel like they've done today. Um, the, well, the, the, so I, I wanted to sort of extrapolate out that we can use the chimp metaphor. Right. And so is it I know where you were going about, you know, is it fair and what 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 brings equilibrium? And a lot depends on the environment as well, because sometimes you want that big bully alpha. Right. In in the gene pool, because I, I don't know, you've got a a lion or something, some, something that's just in the environment that, you know, yes. a normal troop is not going to deal with. Right. And then along comes someone that's, you know. 25% bigger, 25% mm -hmm. meaner, um, deals with that lion and then gets his share. And, you know, that's that's the evolutionary model. And so his genes perpetuate. But in a time of peace, um, the, uh, the, the you want that more, I hate the word meritocracy, but, uh, yeah, meritocratic type um, organizational principles. Um but I can't. But what what would be a better a better word or euphemism for what what we're trying to achieve here, right? Because for sure we're seeing a a bully type system. I would say overreaching right now, and it's been doing it obviously for a long time. Speaking uh, of monkeys and 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 warfare, did you see the clip of? I think it was in a zoo, but of um, a. Uh, a, a smaller primate that had been constantly haranguing uh, a, a community of otters. And one day the otters pull the monkey down off of the branch and drown it and kill it. And they they work as a group. Did you see that? No, I've not. But that's... Uh... Okay, I'll find it. I'll put it up on please, the channel. It's, it's, been out, it's been out there forever. And, and you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's couched like a story, like a mythological story about one day the otters fought back. And uh, you'll enjoy it. But the point being is that I, I hear what you're describing there. And I think I'm concerned very much about the it's too, you know, about society at large throwing up their hands and saying it's too much. It's too complicated. It goes too far back. That's too much change management for me to wrap my head around or do anything about. I want a big brother to sort this out. Who can we appoint? That's the impulse that uh, uh, I think we have to guard against in this instance, we need to be the otters. We need to be a swarm because there are, it's multi-centric. It's a multipolar problem. It isn't, uh, you know, uh, pouring down and, uh, and, and Fort Detrick. That's oh. not it. It's, it's a, it's a whole the network Duganists around the world. Be, and... uh, loving, uh, loving your, uh, your take on the solution. And this is, and, and I would, 
I would, uh, and like I say, I'm no expert on Duganism, but I get the concept of a multipolar world. Right? It, it's it's not a hard thing to grasp, and um, the poles that we don't see, the poles we don't that don't have a flag or a brand, but are even more powerful than Canada. Mm. You know, like a Rothschild as a pole. Or Kissinger and whatever the real upper, upper level echelon, inner, inner circle, you know, the top of the pyramid of all of their network of activities and, and, and enterprise over the years. You know, what, what is that poll? They don't, they don't, you don't see them on the news. You can't buy no, shares of them. No, no. And, and so this, this is why I'm struggling with this. I don't know. There was a discussion in the discord today with, uh, Qwerty and you know he and taking a very sort of hard line against um, well exhibit A and exhibit B that we're talking about and um, I, I, at this point when, when the when if, if when the wreckage becomes so pervasive right the city is bombed flat you don't know you don't know who you're going to be fighting next to in in the rubble right and perhaps potentially metaphorically we're in that we're in the rubble right now we're just not we're not grasping it and you know perhaps and i've, I've put forward this premise that there's a uh, um these people might be frightened right now because they didn't realize that the game would lead to this right and they they're the ones who are culpable in the sense right so and we can we can use a very very um concrete example again in jeffrey sachs because he took on the role of the lancet commission and as such he as as the director the the commission head that there's a degree of ownership that you take of the problem i guess when you when you step in to do that and and so in some in some certainly not in in all there's plenty that just cut the losses and say you know where's my silver my golden parachute and how do i get out of here mm. how do i how do i minimize my own impact and uh you know exit stage left as they say and but so no it's it's complex his 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 message right now is is complex i, I i'm not you know i'm not going to make any decisions about him i i you know want to hear and see more over time and look i i don't know enough about him in, of course i know him from history right and I, I how do i know his name well it, it always comes up in discussions about the collapse of the soviet union because you know the him and oh, i forget the name of the other dude you know, they, they were they were considered this vanguard going into Russia and this sort of shock economics. But I, I think that's sort of become associated with him. And that's that's how that's how I, I know him. And of course, some offshoot of the sustainability green agenda, I would say. But but literally, that's about as far as far as my working knowledge would have gone beyond seeing what i'm seeing now have i ever sat through a Je jeffrey sachs lecture no 
have him. I saw most of his presentation uh, when he first, you know, the big one that made the splash. I saw some of the conversations, uh, some of your, some of your conversation about it. Some of Mark, um, uh, I haven't I haven't been able to do end to end. There's just so much going on in in my house, so um, I'm I'm trying to find time to catch up on it. But I want to, quite frankly, when a big rock hits the water like that and makes waves, I want to wait until the ripples die down and see. For example, um, Judy Mikevitz is again an, another for me a complex individual because of employment history because of family history in intelligence and and uh defense that doesn't make everybody whose family was part of intelligence or defense you know suspicious but it, it just puts her in a category that instantly my spider senses start tingling uh and then mark pointed out rightfully so her mentor and how often he was named in Gallo papers from the early to mid 70s. So I'm starting down that rabbit hole. But I remember her ambiguity about it and basically not really wanting to talk about anything before 1981. Uh, in in for a long track, I was waiting and hoping and saying, "Please, I know you you've heard these, whether you thought they were rumors or anything, but I, someone had to have given you a paper, handed you something that said, "Wow, this is startling activity. It's years before the emergence of AIDS, and it appears to be directly related to you know that event." I I just am watching carefully. Um, I was I was stunned when I saw Doctor uh, Andrew Huff say what he said about mark uh, you know i was kind of yes. bowled over yes. i'm like wow okay yeah um, and and to me that felt more like an intelligence maneuver just a classic smear move and i'm like uh okay yeah, uh that's yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to i didn't want to form opinions i'm like i i think andrew probably has something important to bring to the table but again it put into called into question for me what's going on here yeah it was a it was a stark move on Andrew's behalf and you know it could be that he's just under immense pressure maybe um but there wasn't a um well for 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 it to be so public and pointed towards Mark when as Mark said he um he doesn't have the numbers to to have or, or to be noticed usually by something like that, and you know, Mark goes into you know he was what was he laying bricks, and um, suddenly the, the <laughs> his Skype blows up, not Skype, uh, Twitter blows up, and yeah, I, I, again, but you know, do we do we dismiss what Andrew is bringing to the table? Um, because it because the way that these organizations work is that look they give you they try to cut off right what's bleeding intel or or i don't know the metaphoric informational uh, bleeding world. yes yeah yep. and so it's is it it's a fair game just to keep taking that and say okay we know we know what you're going to do next and so we we can just keep taking that data and say ha ah, we've already got this now now we're moving to the we're moving to the next um waypoint um, yeah, it's it's a it's a well worn path, and you can anticipate the milestones. And so I don't, 
this is this is why I'm I I don't want to pull the trigger on <clears throat> on these people who are, are are able to coalesce individuals in some <clears throat> sense. It it would seem a uh, how would you say short sighted move to to just uh, again just ideological purity to the nth yes. degree that you, you you end up shooting yourself in the foot yes yes baby with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. uh like when the uh the truth parade I, i'm sorry what was it called the uh the big you got invited you weren't you weren't you featured a couple of times this summer in the big uh the road show okay what was that called oh, it had crimes a lot of against humanity names. crimes against humanity yeah when that break split Mm. And, you know, and became the people's front of Judea. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I was splitters. I, I, uh, I was kind of horrified. And at the same time, it was in a way very comforting because I saw and heard the, I guess you would say, moral or ethical arguments or, or differences between the parties. They, they immediately had an explainer about what happened. Mm. Uh, and for me, it was evidence of uh, real organic human behavior happening. Mm. So I, in a way, I was like, I'm OK. None of them disappeared off the planet. You know, they all bring to the table whatever they've got. Someone could have incredible, the most critical message, but be a horrible communicator. Yeah. And they don't get very far, um, or, you know, or they could be a fantastic showman and be about half an inch deep on everything. Um, and, you know, so I don't I, I was happy to see that sort of chaos ensue. And I was like, well, all right. So mm. they're not you know, they didn't form a big super band and take over the world um, and get get the truth out onto the big mainstream channels. But I know who owns the channels. So I'm just not expecting that until it's absolutely unavoidable. I'm not expecting the major networks to concede the argument and stop disparaging and saying anti-vax and crap like that for a long time because they're owned. You you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Wow, I've just realized um, I've got banned from Twitch. What? <laughs> yes. I'm banned from Twitch. Since this morning? I, I guess someone was complaining uh, yesterday about uh, not being on Twitch anymore and um i I didn't i I so i just just posted a comment because someone was complaining about the volume and it didn't go through to twitch and i remembered that and um just checked it and yeah i'm i'm banned off twitch as well (laughs) and they gave they gave you notice not that i'm aware of it's just gone oh you just get deleted okay yeah that's the that's the world we're in now I don't, well, like I say, I barely used Twitch, but um, no, well, it's not that I didn't use it. I always streamed to Twitch. I wouldn't pay attention to it, but um, there you go, folks. Uh, Twitch will censor you, and um, you know it's it's very obvious that I've got the attention of, and I, I don't think it's a, um, you know, some woke little activist mob that that that, that wouldn't happen, right? Or this wouldn't happen with such consistency. Right, it it's something else that I, that we're dealing with here, and I say we because it's it's a community level, um, and uh, yeah, assaults on payments, assaults on the channels you can stream to. Um, I mean, so far Rumble uh, has been okay, 
Um, Telegram's been okay. Um, D Live, okay. Um, it, it's it's outside, Nick. It's it's the uh, it's the corporate side that's doing all the banning here. And again, that corporate side bleeds over into uh, many of these entities, and it just it just makes me wonder. Um, maybe we're not the good guys we're uh, told we're we're supposed to be, right? Well, the rest of the world is waiting for both America and Great Britain to collectively accept that mm. and start cleaning up our houses. I mean, we've been fucking with the world for centuries. And the U.S., you know, granted, shorter, shorter story line, but still, uh, you know, our, our, the, we're the biggest polluter on the planet is the U.S. Department of Defense. Mm. Biggest polluter. Um, you know, if we're, if we're going to look at just uh, our equilibrium with the rest of life on the planet and, and making sure that for children and grandchildren, etc., there is a planet that's worth having. You know, for me, that I'm a tree hugger because of that. I, I grew up in the U, United States uh, scouting. You know, you you go to scout, you know, scout meetings, and you learn how to make ropes, and you do community activities. You learn certain little, you know, you know how to how to make a fire with sticks, stuff like that. Um, I think there's a British scouting. Uh, I think yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. original. Yeah. yeah, but Boy Scouts of America, um, and that's for me. That's where I've always, you know, even when I understood that, you know, I'm a gay guy. Um, it didn't change for me my core values about how I viewed a neighborhood and a community and general values about how you get along with people. And th that all continued. And I think that the rest of the world has been watching our empire, you know, the backside, obviously, it's starting to it's it's definitely receding. Um, but watching us uh, take black eyes. And I think it's good for them. And I think it, it does feed into what you were saying earlier about a multipolar world. Yeah, um, I, I'm... It needs to happen. I, I, I'm willing to try it right now. That's that's my... Sort of where, where I'm at in my life. Um, and is it... Well, I guess it, the question becomes that how, how bloody is it going to be going into that process I, I, I would argue we're in that process already um, the the implosion from the US side looks pretty comprehensive right now and the yeah I'm, I'm personally I'm concerned about that the fallout of that and this is something again to go back to the discussions that I've had this week, it's good to sort of sound these ideas off you, dude, actually. Thank you for sort of coming on. But um, Sachs says in the, I think, it, I think it was the previous stream, and he, said, he, he makes allusions to that, that everything is spinning out of control. He, he's pointing to Ukraine. And um, he's talking, he, he's very direct about how broken the systems have become, how dangerous that's become for everyone because of just the the mechanics of it, right? The uh, humans fleeing th those particular ships and the the zombie entity just shouldering, you know, <laughs> shuffling along, causing all sorts of chaos. I, I, I whatever way you want to think of it, and the. He makes a point. We we need more people 
speaking up about this particular danger, this existential danger that we're in. And not enough people are. And I don't know. Is it... it you could you could say that um, Bloomberg's pretty big broadcasting institute, right? Mm-hmm. So he he was on there and he got pulled from Bloomberg for talking about Ukraine and the attack on the Nord Stream. Now, um, for not being for not being pro Ukraine is is what his position yeah, he, was. Yeah, he basically okay. basically said this this very obviously. Um, u.s involvement and he had some critical thinking okay and i didn't see any of the data i did see a headline but i I, i'm now just trying to let more things flow by and then wait to see what actually you know once the tide recedes what's left on the shoreline um did you see any data about the accusation that the uk was involved in the bridge bombing or did you dig into that yeah I i i did see it and um it wouldn't surprise me at all um in fact i i'm I would expect it. Um, the, the the question because the, because the UK feels that it wants Ukraine as a as a branded buffer for the West versus being a truly independent state. That's a question. Yeah, well, the, the, I, I think at the sort of higher levels, the distinction between the UK and the US becomes very very blurred, and. Um, that, well, basically, you could say the Five Eyes countries, and sure. and yeah. also yeah. you can include in that um, Israel. And I'm fairly certain that um, intelligence level individuals, spooks, I guess that was that's a word I've heard banded about this week, are able to move without passports between all of these countries um, and operate with some degree of uh yes are people complaining about the sound just give me a sound check dude because like first you were too loud and now testing one two three testing one two three and i haven't made any uh changes nah, I, on, I, I am on my level so i, I know you got a whole soundboard to sort out um let's try just trying to get you balanced and try again kevin angela lansbury died angela lansbury oh oh the actress <laughs> Kevin, she was my first sorceress that I ever fell in love with, even before uh, who was uh, Mary Poppins. I don't know. It was a neck. It was neck and neck. But bed knobs and broomsticks. Let me tell you, I thought I understand. I, I was like, I get England. I know England because of this movie. Um, you know, as a little American kid, but. Bedknobs and Broomsticks. She was she was amazing. That was the first um, before Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That was the first movie that did, or was it Dick Van Dyke? Was it was it Mary Poppins that did the intermix? Of I, I've I've seen I've seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks once, and I've seen Mary Poppins probably twice. And Mary Poppins, uh, well, I, I guess Mary Poppins gets more airtime, <laughs> air I guess, and just talked about because of the the Cockney. Uh, links i guess i don't don't know but the yeah making fun of dick van dyke yeah yeah yeah. so i don't know why did we get off on a tangent of uh oh it was just a sound test right (laughs) we were just doing a sound test so i was uh bringing up a headline and i didn't know if you were sentimental about angela lesbury so uh well you know all all these icons dying it's not uh well some i'm happy about some not so much Yeah. (laughs) yeah 
um, you, you know, the, the, the reason that we're doing this, and this is something that Charles brings up a lot, which is that a lot of people have died in, in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And many have died unnecessarily over the decades. And it's important that they get an accounting. And part, part of doing that accounting is having to listen, I would argue, to, to those that were on the inside. Right. We must pay attention to them. And we can't. We, I think it's important not to throw dirt in their face all the time that they're telling us stuff of importance. Right. Because up until Jeffrey Sachs published that paper and has and has gone well beyond that paper that he published. I think it was in PNAS. And he he has now he, he's basically doing the small well not small, but the. It's not even. What would? You, how would you classify the grey zone and um, these and Robert F Kennedy? It's you know. So it's children's health, children's health defense network. Is that what they're called? And then, yes. um, right to know U.S. right to know U.S. right to know. Of course, activists. So activist level type networks. That's what he's speaking to. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Look, they've not turned around and just dismissed what he's saying. I don't, I, I don't, it would be foolish right now f- for us to say, oh, it, it, that's a psychological operation. Of course, accept that it could be a, a possibility, but it would, it would be, it's not naive. It's, it's binary, it's binary thinking, pu- purity tests that you're bringing. And, um, again you're limiting yourself because if if we're at a point where these institutes and entities are imploding people are people are going to be looking for exits and so that you know you should make it such that yeah we're not going to bite your head off if you come out and you're not you're not going to play games with us you're going to be straightforward straight talking and answer all the questions that people have then i think it's incumbent upon us to listen to what they have to say is is that not a fair um position to take at the moment no i i agree and you can use uh, whatever figure of speech works for you you know sorting you know picking teams sorting people into houses Mm. um we we typically want to bucket one another politically demographically whatnot Mm. and uh and in this case we have a small number of uh i think we'll say whistleblowers uh like dr huff Mm. uh and others uh who are bringing something forward it's it's more insight than than we we have without it so yeah yeah, uh, we, we we have conjecture only until yeah. until we shouldn't, we shouldn't be looking to hit the eject button like oh you told a lie or oh that wasn't quite accurate you're done we're done with you and the quick you know the rapid cancel behavior that a lot of people like to do i mean look at we're look critical at of we're critical of oh this fucking cancel culture global homo right yeah, i do it all the time right and mm-hmm. so um we should we should be very very um 
cautious. Not cautious. Cautious is the wrong word. Measure twice, cut no. once. Yes. We yes. Should, we should reflect. We should we should not be uh, compulsive. I like compulsive or impulsive about. Uh, but okay. But also think about. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it more difficult. I'm sorry, but it is. Um, look at the whole. There's no germs. There's no such thing as germs. Look at that group. Uh, I, I was stunned at how many, uh, I guess, Peter Duesbergs or Michael Warbys there were um, coming out of the woodwork, uh, let alone the little ones, you know, the ones with uh, with with fluffy hair. You know, those those are those are simple puppets. He's a he's a he's he's a level three, you know, henchman. Um, but the big names and big minds that, you know, start questioning the whole of science as we understand it with the disease model and infection, you know, epidemiology, et cetera. Um, I, I'm, I'm surprised and I'm not, again, it's, it's kind of nice to see that old friend that came back from the eighties when there were chaos agents that came into the mix and right as the whistleblowers, which I didn't know at the time, but as I went back and audited the whole freaking half century, um, uh, the whistleblowers were getting some traction. They were getting on radio. Uh, they were having the conversations. And then there were two murders in 1988, right at the same point, just about that it was confirmed that HIV one came from chimpanzee pentroglodytes and a real important scientific milestone, and the same time when Peter Duesberg came out and started his black magic. So I, I, I you know, that's another part of this is that uh, we may see what we feel are whistleblowers, and their intent is to lie, is to mix truth with lies. Um, you know, others may not have the whole story, and they do have genuine good intents, and they just weren't in, they weren't involved. They weren't read into every component of the operation, um, or they have their suspicions. They weren't read in at all, but they had purview. So there's there's a lot that can go on. Um, so if you if you had a time machine and you could go back and mm -hmm. uh, speak to certain, you could have your choice of individuals that you'd want to speak to at the time as things mm -hmm. were unfolding. Who, who would have that been? And, well, first off, who, who would that have been? Well, my survivor guilt starts with, um, uh, you know, I, it would have to be in impossible conditions. And that would be, I would have to be a grown-up because a kid wouldn't have been listened to by the people I wanted to talk to. So that's it. I would have to step through as myself into the past. Mm. Um, I would I would put myself in the communities where they were recruiting men for the vaccine. And I would have gotten the data there. I don't think it would have stopped the study. I don't think it would have stopped some people from enrolling anyway. But then there would have been from the point of of exposure to the community, there would have been a portion of people, um, well, you know, way more than there were who were clearly aware of what the risk was and how it was unfolding. Very similar to what I feel this community is doing as we dug back 20 years, we looked at the science, we looked at the patents, we looked at all of the politicking and the, I mean, just you just have to look at YouTube to find most of the evidence of what's been planned and now what's unfolding. Um, and we're fighting the good fight now. But I, I would have gone back to try and save those people. I've, I've thought about if I could just go back and, you know, 
uh, kill Henry Kissinger or, um, you know, it's one of, you know, the poisoner in chief from the CIA, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb uh, or Robert Gallo. Uh, the fact of the matter is not any one of them was in any way entirely responsible for all of the things that happened with bioweapons. It wasn't just HIV. There was cancer. There was, uh, I think, Lyme. There was a whole shelf full of shit that I think has been sort of trickling out. There have been, there have been different exposures and releases. Um, so that's part of it. Is I, I, if I was going to be a time-traveling hero, I would want to cure all of that. And I don't know where the root is, Kevin. I can't, I can't you know, stop Project Paperclip. You know, uh, shoot down that plane when they were bringing the biological scientists as they were taking off from Europe, shoot it down. So all of that experience and madness went down in a ball of flames. I mean, how that, you know, that might that might be a good uh, uh, time travel point. Um, but we, we've had the, we've had the inverse of that, of the HIV researchers. <laughs> Funnily enough, getting taken out over Ukraine. Imagine that. Right. <laughs> yes. 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 So um, I've got to I've got to button it up and get ready for um, for the daytime job. Oh, OK. And uh, is there uh, you mentioned that there might be a discussion this weekend? Uh, next, do you have next, a date next week? Next week. Oh, next weekend. OK. Yeah. okay. So I, I will try and organize um, everyone, people to. Um, OK. I hope you can join us. Uh, it would be my pleasure. I'll do everything that I can. Um, and for everybody that was on with us this morning, thank you so much for letting us just sort of ramble and uh, and uh, opine about different things. And I'll put up a couple of links to um, my main body of uh, information, the research on uh, HIV. And, the HIV um, folder is still there in the Discord, right? should be. But did uh, did we is, get this? Yeah. It is. I know we up in the... Yeah. Yeah, but I'll put it up in the in the live stream chat for anybody that isn't in the in the raccoon hole. Mm. And please go watch. Well, I don't know where you can watch my stuff. It just uh, it's it's hard to keep it up online. Um, but after I many... thought we talk you you listen was bulletproof at this point. I thought you were able to maybe, but I just don't know how much um, we lost a bunch of it um, with the architect changes. It's not that it's not that oh, it's lost. Yeah. It's just. Mm -hmm. Um, it has to be restored from yeah. It's it's not available up on the server. Yeah, right the meta the metadata is missing. Um, oh, I've had to rebuild my metadata like four times. <laughs> I can't I can't be asked on, on WTYL now. I just leave it as the date and then. Uh -huh. <laughs> actually, Rumble Rumble is doing a good job, and I'm like, well, if someone needs a record, actually the emails. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, if someone wants to look back historically, I guess I'm just a tiny tiny little cog in this um insurgency but i don't know about that but um anyhow um so thanks thanks again for spending some time um have a good uh, evening and uh, you have a when good you, when good you day and uh yeah man we'll, we'll talk soon bro we'll connect soon okay take care yeah you too all right folks there we go uh the awesome saint nick um always uh pleasure to speak to and um, you know, I, I have to, I have to think about, you know, what it is that we're doing. I get, I get the holding the iron rod with people. I do. I do it myself. I understand that it could be considered, um, 
a sort of low-hanging fruit to go after with um, what Robert Malone and Jeffrey Sachs is saying and doing. Um, I'm of the... I'm of the mind to be giving them the space to operate and not to criticise at the moment. I really am. Um, and if if I could speak with either of them, uh, perhaps I, 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 I would. Um, and, you know, I would, I would say this, that out of... All the people that have a proper public profile where there's hundreds of thousands of people watching them, they're probably the only two that I can think of that consistently... Well, no, there's... Um, what's the lady? Meryl Nass. She talks about the biowarfare component. And the... It's those that have the courage to speak out about biowarfare programs regardless of if they're defensive or offensive i'm prepared to give them some slack i'm prepared to give andrew huff slack despite him acting like he glows like fukushima after what he did with mark right it doesn't doesn't mean i'm going to sit down and drink pints with the dude but i'm prepared to listen to what he's gonna say um and i'm i'm trying my best to uh to gather all these bits of information you know i've got everything stored on my hard drives right there's an archive there of all the people and events and um Well, every, every, everything that's transpired over the last two and a half years. And, you know, some of it, <laughs> could get, you could just say a bit on the edgy side. It's probably better left just on a hard disk. But, um, you know, it was done for, um, we got a good laugh out of it. And um, with that, I, I'm sort of at a, yeah, an inflection point. Unless people have got sort of um, questions in the chat, but I don't know how many people are even watching not many on youtube what about rumble oh 46 watching on rumble let me just uh is the chat not working with rumble it's not coming through all right let me just read the rumble chat uh chris is in rumble um jonathan better watch out he's only on twitch um yeah yeah um like i say i can show you i've been um well it's weird um there you can see it says at the bottom please remove your channel um now it doesn't say that i'm banned in twitch uh so um i don't know i i'm maybe maybe i'm just being paranoid uh at the moment and Yeah, it won't allow me to turn on notifications and update your stream schedule and your social links. Edit. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it. Um. It's odd, 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 odd. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, folks. But 
Streamlabs, um, YouTube. What else have we uh, lost? PayPal. Uh, I'm sure there's more. <laughs> what else? What else? A whole bunch. Uh, a whole bunch has been uh, taken from us in in the last week. And I, I would say, particularly when the oh Stripe, of course. Um, the the fact that we're um, having these uh, I don't know triggers of the algorithm I don't think we're dealing with the algorithm right now I think we're we've been bumped up a, a notch and it's dealing with a human being right now uh, whoever that human being is and uh, let's just check my emails nothing there yeah nothing from nothing from Twitch as far as I can say um, alright so I don't see uh, much in the chat I think I've there wasn't much in the rumble chat um, my YouTube is saying you are not live yeah I'm on a different YouTube channel now I'm banned <laughs> they took that channel it's gone it's gone um, and it needs to give at least two hours warning it's going live um maybe maybe um i'm i'm conscious of just filling people's inbox with uh too much alerts and what have you um is it really bad i don't know it could just it could just be um stream labs uh, sorry not Streamlabs, but the streaming software here. Connection expired. Please remove. What about if I just try? What about if I try and add a channel? Add channel. Twitch. Um, authorize. Want to add different profiles? Switch account. Channel already added. Go back. Um, switch on. It won't. It won't let me connect. Oh, it's trying to send data. I don't know what to tell you, folks. Um, but th again, this is the censorious environment in which we find ourselves. I was streaming on Twitch yesterday. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't pay attention to it. I got an email saying, "Please, can you sort your Twitch out because people use that for alerts." And I, I get that, uh, um, you know, it's it's a stable platform because it's used for gaming, right? So they've got high high bandwidth. Oh, now it says I'm streaming on Twitch. Let me let me check. Maybe I've been uh, more, uh, like I say, I'm just jumpy because we've had so much taken away from us. We've had so oh, much. yeah, there it goes. It's it's up taken Someone away from us. We've had so oh, much. yeah, there it shut goes. Up, it's up, it's up, up taken away. So Twitch is working. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you what we can do. We can look at some Shahids. There's some been some good Shahids in the uh, in the last day. Um, let me f let me find those links. Do do do. Uh, I don't have any stream prep, folks. It was just um, look. I can see the I can see the discussion in the uh, Discord. Right and Qwerty and um, who else is it? Can uh, prion cannibalosis. Um, 
are taking a very sort of hard line, which is you can't trust them. They're Jews. Um, you 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 playing with fire essentially. <laughs> that's that's what it boils down to. Um, I'm I'm not sure we should be so um, so dismissive yet. Let's see. Let's see what people can bring to the table. Whether it's whether it's through me speaking to them or their or them speaking to other people and doing doing the analysis and then saying, we can see that the premise that I've been working with has been confirmed by these people. Andrew Huff, Robert Malone, and Jeffrey Sachs have all confirmed what I've been positing for two and a half years, right? That it's of lab origin and very much linked to uh, defense industries. This is why I'm hypercritical of Alina Chan or Bola Chan and Matt Ridley because they just go to too much trouble. Too much trouble to be saying to you peons, Oi! It's just science, innit? It's nothing to do with that defense, that biowarfare. Biowarfare? What's that? Nothing, nothing to do. Nothing to do with it. That's all that anthrax. Those anthrax bombs. The VX nerve gas on Tokyo, uh, Tokyo, was it VX nerve gas? Sarin, right? Sarin they used. <laughs> um, uh, you are the hidden Trump in the bush. <laughs> what? Uh, let's see. I think they secretly steal your talking points, Kevin. They're riding your energy wave. Maybe. I don't care. I don't care. I'd rather just the information was out there and people were acting accordingly. Because if people were acting accordingly, I don't think we'd be looking at trench warfare in Europe in the 21st century and itchy, itchy trigger finger, itchy, itchy trigger finger niggers. <laughs> right. So um, I, I just want it to stop, man. I, I would have been flying under the radar. You never heard about me or, or anything, right? But uh, right now, what I'm doing, it's it's for my kids. That's it, right? I don't want I don't want them growing up into the world that I see that they're creating. And these are questions that could be put to someone like Jeffrey Sachs, who's who's been very much on the inside with the World Economic Forum. You know, what does he think about you know the use of the pandemic to leverage what appears to be a uh, hyper surveillance state that's being used to usher in the um, next iteration of the markets? that again are going to be fixed and abused by a cadre at the, at the middle at the center of it and so um would i would i yes i would i would i would i would so um i'm you'll have to you'll have to accept that that's the intellectual position that we'll take at this point and you know maybe maybe um you know that you'll get an andrew huff moment where there's an attack on on me or mark or some, something like that something along those lines that just says ah you know that that just looks a bit skeptical um did i receive the streamlabs dono no streamlabs streamlabs will not accept a dono the only way you can do do donos to me is um buy me a coffee and just to remind everyone go to mccann dojo 
Um, do you mean stream fags? Let me just check email. Oh, yes, I did. Uh, there's one there. Uh, oh, thank you very much. You can have a... Uh, <laughs> I've switched it off, but uh, you can have one of these. I I'll do a... What, what's his face? That is me. Uh, I am a legit scientist. All published in sheet. 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 And uh, what else can we do for... Uh, uh, Transit, it goes. Oh, I need to switch. Ah, that's a good one. You had enough? <laughs> so, uh, salute to you, uh, Bear Rabbit. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, let's see, D Live with those Ninja Lemons. Yes, I don't know. I don't know if I. That's one thing I never uh, check with uh, D Live. Do I have lemons? <laughs> Maybe I, I, I've got so many alts and logins for DLive that I'm not even I'm not even sure. Wait, I know I can use the. Let's do this. Let's check this. Um, I, I'm I'm at a free end right now. So if someone, I, I said I would. Um, so Doc Keck, remember who the the guy who was um, doing the court case, representing himself against uh, mandates. I'm setting up a stream with him. Um, I've got a bunch of other calls that I need to be doing this week, uh, working towards uh, experiment. Um, you know, I'm busy off camera, and the the check crypto wallets too. Um, okay, I'll do that. I'm scared to always click the crypto button. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba, and uh, something is beeping at me. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, Chris. I, I see it. And um, see the crypto. There's too many, too many buttons, too many buttons and things to jump through right now. I'd have to, uh, have to. Um, check my uh check my check my wallets my all that all that kind of stuff and i'm look i'm at a point where things look so chaotic to me can anyone give me a good update with respect to ukraine because the simple fact is that because uh russia has stepped up the pace no one's got any electric now to be sending out where's gonzalo lira where's all these uh other people all i've seen is the tranny um gawping over the dead body Say, oh God, look at Russia. Wah, wah, wah. Um, what's her name? Sarah, whatever. We 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 had a look at that before. That thing. Um, who knows says, can you explain why being around vax shedders is harmful? I'm not sure it's harmful per se, but there is a mechanism by which um the the spike protein as it's manufactured is is going to the cell membrane intact it's not being chewed up by proteases and it's being um blebbed off if you like so it's called i think the process penocytosis so the the because of that abnormal protein being in the in the membrane the, the cell membrane is going to try and find some equilibrium and it will shed those spike proteins and as kind of exosomes if you like so the um, 
Hey, Karma Doc. Uh, good to see you. Uh, maybe I'm. Maybe I'll be uh, in Texas real, real soon uh, in a week or two. Um, so, just as plans. Uh, what was the reason? Ryan from uh, Anti Neocon. Ryan Dawson is having a conference there about people who have been banned and. Um, well, shut down on the internet. And um, I'm thinking of taking some time and going there and just networking and speaking. Um, there's many people I'd like to see in Texas. There's many people I'd like to um, meet in meet space um, in the US. And so I'm thinking that it might be worth, but I've got to, I've got to think about raising, that's an airfare and, um, but, uh, Ryan, I spoke to Ryan about it and he said, yeah, that's, uh, it's perfectly fine. I could, um, if I pull the trigger on making the decision to go and the only thing that's stopping me from going is because my banking is being so fucked with right now that I, it, it makes it very, very difficult to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do that as a, as a, um, a project, right? And, you know, it's something that's on the spur of the moment and, you know, I know I'm working on the uh, the experiment side. The experiments, literally, I could get done in a day if everything is in place. Um, Commodox says, come to Texas. Yeah, man, I'd love to come to Texas. I'd be like, woo! <laughs> you won't get me out of the gun range. Take me to the gun range. I've got, I'll buy a hundred bucks of bullets. How much does that get you now? hundred dollars bullets an hour down the gun range. <laughs> um, can you travel to the USA without jabs? You can get exemptions. I can get a medical exemption. So uh, there's that. Um, and uh, what else? What else was there that I was uh, going to be doing? Oh, I forget now. Double brew baker setup. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to go and uh, one of my plans would be to go to uh, brew baker land. And uh, yeah, shout out to brew baker. I haven't pressed the button in a while. But uh, yeah, for when they come and take your banking, folks, and uh, take away all your stuff and shit. Yes, that's right, folks. This, uh, this stream, this... Uh, it's science, I don't know what it is, science, podcast, comedy, whatever. Um, some of mine are $10 each. <laughs> You're not a cheap date then, Karma Doc, if you're going to go to the gun range. Holy shit, 300 bucks magazine. <laughs> um, no jab required to travel to USA ever for American people, for American citizens. Uh, people with, coming on visa have to have uh, vaccines. How about that? How about that one? Cannabalis, I can never say your name. Cannabalis prionosis. Do you want to come on? Cannabalis, tell us about tell us about this Russian disinformation. Um, I'm I'm happy to uh, go through it. It's fifty cal, ten dollars. Is it really? <laughs> Holy shit. 
Look, man, I, I would, I would be, um, I would be happy. You were going to do Shahid's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shahid, that's right. Um, don't, 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 don't. Let's, because uh, there's been some good ones. <laughs> it's... And uh, yeah, I'll bring, I'll bring that one up. This one's for you, Cannabalis. Put that one there, and I'll, I'll pause that. Just go there for the moment. And uh, I've, now I don't know if we covered this before, but um, again, there's a, a push for uh, gaming can kill children with undiagnosed heart issues. <laughs> we had computer games when I were a lad. Now they weren't as uh, how would you say as immersive as the. Uh, the games you got now, but the uh, old Atari, what was it? Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Literally, he just had that wiggle stick. I remember, I remember like the game, the game session. It was just like a, a potentiometer. You would just turn the pong <laughs> up and down, pong, pong, and um, the <laughs> what was I? Going, yeah. So kids, kids now can have heart attacks playing computer games. And look, I can I can remember rage quitting on my Commodore sixty four. <laughs> oh, lad, bursting into tears because I'd shorted it out, <laughs> trying to trying to hit some pins so you could get that cheat. <laughs> I don't. I don't think kids are going to get any less involved. And so suddenly, suddenly, it's a cardiac risk. Ah, pull the other one, Governor. I'm not quite buying that one. Oh, I'm not buying that one so easily. All right. Uh, let's start with the. Uh, oh, this was interesting. Just to, just to show you how cool Japan is, right? These are these are some drainage uh, canals in Japan, on the side of the road. Look at that. Look at that koi carp just swimming around. That's how clean and beautiful Japan is. See that? Gaijin. How nice it is. All right. That kind of kind of looks uh, like near where I live. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. We'll do the uh, Shahid music. Uh, tragedy in Romanian football. What do you mean tragedy? How dare you? This man stepped up and did his duty, and he did it in public view on a football pitch. Alexandra Wagner died. He was only 33 years old. This one's got to be bullshit. Number 33. How can you trust anything with the number 33 in it? We salute this she had. Sequestering his carbon and helping that green, green grass grow. Uh, yeah. uh, fourth dose of flu shot, 2nd of September 2022. Died of sudden illness, 10th of October 2022. We salute this Shahid and his dedication to the cause. Bravo, sir. Bravo. Nifty young Shahid. 
The guy, a, a guy collapsing um, on stage. Uh, shit. Let me see if I can find it. We'll find the shaheed. We salute the Shaheed. Lord Fever. <laughs> look at the look at his face. I don't know if that's helped by the uh go back. No, go back. Just I don't know if that was makeup for uh the look on the face. Another, another case of sudden death. <laughs> no, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh. Holy shit, is that real? That's gotta be fake. That's gotta be fake. Yeah, Shahid music stuff. Well, we need, uh, we need. Uh, I don't think Shahid for this. We need, uh, we need. <laughs> Jahid! Yeah! All right. Uh, let's see. No YouTube stream. Um, not on. Uh, got got channel taken away from us. I think for uh, the Shahid skit. Um, it's not popular with the YouTube. And what was the uh, next thing that popped up? They had another story and uh, suddenly there were all stars of David everywhere. How did that happen? Looks like the other ones in like China. 
لحمي ثم عظمي والعروق كنت في التفحيط نجما يبهر الدنيا بريقا اجهدت سيارتي And his leopard skin frock. Uh, Jews are always fronting like they aren't Arabs, but the truth is so obvious. Ha 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 ha. Well, I tell you what, we could have a look at. So, um, the New Jerusalem um, that people keep talking about. So let's, let's stop the Shahid music. Let me just uh, find this. I don't know how long this clip is, but. Uh, this um ukraine as big israel now this is something i've heard about um, this is true news the truth the whole truth nothing but the truth so help us god i'm rick wiles last week we told you about ukrainian president vladimir Zelensky's odd comment that his country would become big israel we continued researching the topic and found a lot of fascinating information to share with you about a movement to declare kiev the new jerusalem Now, if the main proponent of the scheme was not a billionaire, we would not pay much attention to it. The deeper we dug, the more we found. Dr. Ricard is back and ready to jump in. I've been off Twitch for a couple of weeks. I'm sorry, I didn't know. uh, Be back, and I just want to say thank you to all the messages from uh, viewers and listeners that offered their condolences, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So it meant a lot to me. (laughs) Absolutely, Doc. We're glad to have you back. Uh, back, Okay, so where we left off last week. (laughs) We already touched on it, too. It was just an odd story, and President Zelensky said, uh, Ukraine would become big Israel. Right. All right. And so we, we scratched the surface, took a look at it, said, okay, this is odd. Okay, there it is. Jewish telegraphic agency Zelensky, Ukraine will become more like big Israel than Europe in the wake of Russia's war. Now, this is the president of Ukraine. He's Jewish. Right. And he's being hailed as a hero, trying to make him look like Churchill or some great statesman, uh, despite his pornographic obscene uh, videos online, which have been scrubbed. Right. All right. They don't want anybody to see uh, the real uh, Zelensky. But the fact that he said post-war Ukraine will look like big Israel. And then no less than the Jewish Telegraphic Agency putting this article out about it. So. And, and then he told us why it would be big Israel. So there was one quote in that story that said a lot. So Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's Jewish president, said his country would look more like Israel, a democracy on constant military alert, than like their more relaxed European neighbors, given the prospect of long-term tensions with Russia. We will become a big Israel with its own face, Zelensky said Tuesday at a briefing for Ukrainian media, Harat reported. We will not be surprised if we have representatives of the armed forces, our National Guard and cinemas, supermarkets, and people with weapons. I am confident that the question of security will be issue number one for the next 10 years. I'm sure of it. Okay, so what he said was, uh, if you want to look like Israel, you'll have to be a police state. Basically, yes. And so... And that's the, that's the first, you know, when you first look at the article and first look at the quote, that's the first impression that you get. But he did use that word, Big Israel. And, of course, that got us digging into some stories uh, from the past and some interesting articles that we came up with. One, uh, <laughs> the Times of Israel. All right. So this was originally published back in 2014. And uh, it talks about the, uh, you know, Israel acknowledges Jews. In fact, Khazar's secret plan for reverse migration to Ukraine. Now, if you go to that website, even today, it has this warning label on it. This blog post will work a satire. We talked about this last week. But that uh, warning label was only placed on this website, February 28th of this year. So for eight years, this article existed as general information on the Times of Israel website. And until February 28th of this year, when Russia made its advance into Ukraine, suddenly this became a work of satire overnight. And so they, and they go you know, out of the way to say it was published in 2014 on the eve of Purim, a Jewish holiday that's celebrated with wild merrymaking and Russia's comedy with a particular emphasis of poking fun at anti-Semitism and ignorance. So basically this is all a big joke, mm-hmm. right? Okay, but the fact is, uh, Ukraine, present-day Ukraine does exist 
inside the borders of ancient Khazaria. Right. And the article here actually goes through that and lays out that information. And so for eight years, that was reliable, quotable, referenceable information. But until February 28th of this year, it became satire. That's right. And so why is a Khazaria important? Because um, I think it was, was it the 8th century? Yes. Around the 8th century, the king of Khazaria converted to Judaism. Right. And uh, basically issued a decree and told everybody in Khazaria, uh, we're all Jews now. Right. And um, so it became a Jewish nation. Uh, a lot of people think that the uh, Ashkenazim in Europe, the Jewish people of Europe, uh, are descendants of the uh, Khazaria Empire. Now, uh, if that is true, then um, that makes the story even more interesting uh, because um, that would mean that they're not Semitic. Right. Uh, the true Semitic people are Palestinians, anybody in, in the Middle East that speaks uh, a Semitic language. S- Semitic is not a race. Right. It's a language. Right? Language group, yeah. Something like 300 Semitic languages. So um, the Ashkenazim uh, didn't speak a Semitic language. The, what they speak now is a reconstructed Hebrew. Hebrew had been lost. Uh, the, the present-day Hebrew language is made up. It's, it's, they had no idea uh, how Hebrew was spoken. And so more, it was most European Jews spoke Yiddish anyway, yes, that's right. or a mixture, uh, primarily German, uh, you know, German influence there, but most of yeah. them spoke Yiddish and everything. Okay, so what we have here, Doc, is if, if uh, Khazaria was an ancient nation that voluntarily converted to Judaism in the 8th century, mm-hmm. it is now basically modern-day Ukraine. Right. The people who went to Palestine in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, and then eventually overthrew the Arabs in Palestine, they were not... Middle Eastern um, uh, Jews who had lived in in Palestine all their lives and get, their families could trace their history back centuries. Right. They and, were Europeans. Right. And neither were they Sephardic Jews either. Sephardic Jews are a, a branch of, of Judaism that exists primarily in Spain and Portugal, but they can trace their lineage back to the Middle East. They were transplanted from there, but they did not participate in the recolonization. They yes. had no desire right. uh, for it. And so, so most likely, they're the they're authentic Jews. Right. So, uh, but they don't desire to return to Palestine. That, that's what's unique about them. Now, there are Sephardic Jews in Israel, but, uh, but primarily they don't seek that out. And so so you, now, you have European Ashkenazim uh, people uh, claiming to be uh, Jews, uh, but most likely they are descendants of Khazaria. They migrated to Palestine, overthrew the uh, Arabs, uh, overthrew the Arab Christians, the Arab Muslims, and the, um, and the uh, Jews who were living in Palestine. This is 1948. They used uh, blood and fighting and uh, warfare to, to establish this modern Zionist state, and the Middle East has never been calm since. Right. And a lot, of, a lot of Jewish people are now starting to think they made a big mistake, that it was a mistake to go into Palestine with weapons and use warfare, revolution, to overthrow the, the Arab population and establish a Zionist state. They're really starting to, to doubt the whole narrative right. of the Zionist movement. Because right now, as it stands, Israel is a, 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 what's called Israel there, is a nation of, or a state, i got to watch my nomenclature here, of 10 million people, surrounded by 150 million Arabs. Yes. Okay, so the odds are against them there. Now, that Times of Israel article I quoted to you a little while ago from 2014, as I said, was updated as satire on February 28th of this year. Days this is, after the war started. Right, so basically it said all this information in this article is made up, okay? However, another publication in Israel, Haratz, published an article when Ukraine was the running, next day, yes, the next day. and it doesn't say anything about satire in it at all to this day. You can go to this site today, and it doesn't say it's satire. And it basically has the same information in this article as was on the Times of Israel article, mm-hmm. the same history, the same information. Uh, in fact, it, it references other publications have recently talked about you know, the Ukrainian connection with Judaism. And so it goes through and basically set, lays out the entire Khazaria history, as Rick mentioned earlier. So basically, which one is satire, Rick? The Times of Israel article or the Haratz article? Or are they both true? They're both well, true. Up until 20, uh, February 28th of this year, they were all referenceable articles that you could quote. There, there's no debate. There, honestly, there's no, this is not a conspiracy theory that Ukraine, uh, it wasn't called Ukraine at the time, it was, it was Khazaria. Uh, there's no debate that 
Khazaria was run by Jews. Right. But they were not ethnic Jews. They, they were Europeans who converted to Judaism. Right. Okay, now this is, this is where this gets really, is, folks, it's going to start getting uh, strange, okay? Um, and I'll just tell you right now, this is one of those shows and one of those topics. I'm going to give you advance uh, heads-up notice. Doc and I are thinking this through as we do this program. This is so fresh to us that what we say today, we may have a different perspective by next week on this. I'm just telling you. Uh, because you're watching us unveil this in real time. Okay, so we're learning with you on this. So, so be patient. I may change my opinion on this a month from now. We may get more information. Well, so if we go back to that number right, three still, right. Rick, there was something else in that that caught our attention and got us talking about it. Right. So it's the second part of that headline, uh, of the satirical article mm-hmm. uh, that was a fact for eight years. Secret plan for reverse migration to Ukraine. So that is what caught our attention. And that's, what, that's what the Times of Israel in February of this year implied that's satire. Right. Don't, don't, don't take this article seriously. There is no secret plan for reverse migration to Ukraine. Okay, this is where it's going to start getting weird. So last week, Doc, while you were back in Missouri, um, I'm back in DJ I, I received an email from a oh, uh, STFU, shut up and dear, be the bigot uh, you want to be. Of True News in Sweden. That's the Rudy. type of casual you, racism Rudy, that we want around here. Nice Your one, email no. just caused me to go down <laughs> a rabbit hole I had never considered before. But Rudy said, Rick, I remember... I remember an article from 2012 involving Henry Kissinger. So I searched for the article and I found it 2012, 10 years ago. Page six. This is New York Post. Page six. New York Post. Look at the headline. No more Israel. Right. From September 2012. Henry Kissinger says in 10 years. When would that be? 2022. Right. There would be no more Israel. Wow. So uh, the actual quote from that article on page six in The Times said this. Henry Kissinger, former secretary of state, current savant of the state of the world. Do not argue with Mr. Kissinger's know-how. He already knows how. Middle East horror. Democratic Party dissing Jerusalem. D.C.'s anti-Israel mentality. Obama busy raising re-election funds. No time for beleaguered Netanyahu. The Oval Office attitude versus the red line. Iran's oath to destroy our only friend in that part of the world. Reported to me, Henry Kissinger has stated, and I quote the statement word for word, in 10 years there will be no more Israel. I repeat, in 10 years there will be no more Israel. And we actually have a screen capture of that actual article. This is uh, Cindy Ka- uh, Adams' column wow. in uh, the Times. This is back New September Post, 8, New York no, Post. Sorry, New York Post, September 18th, 2012. And you can actually see right there that very first par- paragraph there, uh, you know, talking about what Mr. Kissinger said uh, on that p- particular day. So and, you know, and right there, it's kind of kind of a, a gossip column under there. She's got she's talking about Harvey Weinstein yes, and stuff. All that. So, but this is what she wrote for the New York Post, September 2012. She's saying I was told by a reliable source that Henry Kissinger said, and I quote, in 10 years, there will be no more Israel. I repeat, in 10 years, there will be no more Israel. Would not Henry Kissinger know if that is satire or real? (laughs) So 10 years from 2012 is 2022. Here we are. And we have Mr. Zelensky saying Ukraine will become big Israel. That's right. Okay, we're going to take it a little bit deeper. We're going to show you more um, facts, evidence that there is some type of some type of plan being considered. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. What we're showing you here today is that there are some very important people and very wealthy people who are openly talking about relocating the Zionist state from Palestine to Ukraine. That's what we're going to show you here today. And they've been talking about it for a while. Yes. So going back in time, once again, so a lot of the things were going on, things were going on in uh, this uh, in uh, 2012. So this is Foreign Policy Journal. Okay. U.S. preparing for a post-Israel Middle East. That's huh? the question that's asked that's there. Foreign policy. This is the CFR. <laughs> I don't know, Doc. I, you know, I get a good memory, and I, I can pull out Andy of my Maxine's mind new home. news articles from 20-some years ago. I missed all these articles 12 years ago or 10 years ago. I missed them. I, I, I do not recall seeing any news stories 
in 2012 about a post-Israel Middle East. And it was also republished by Eurasia Review. Once again, America preparing for a post-Israel Middle East. Uh, and it asked that question. Is that where we're headed here? And once again, as Rick said, who was talking about this? Who, who was even saying this? And yet we have in that window of time articles in, uh, from Israel, Henry Kissinger speaking about this, about will Israel even exist in 10 years? So we have a few quotes here we want to go through and uh, talk to you about. So this is from Eurasia Review, August 28, 2012. So what is all the fuss about? It's a paper entitled Preparing for a Post-Israel Middle East, an 82-page analysis that concludes that the American national interest in fundamentally, is fundamentally at odds with that of Zionist Israel. The author concludes that Israel is currently the greatest threat to U.S. national interest because its nature and actions prevent normal U.S. relations with Arab and Muslim countries and, to a growing degree, the wider international community. So that's the first setup there. I had never, never heard anyone even discussing any of this, right? No, no not at all. And, and I'll take a break here, Doc. I, I want to uh, give instruction to our guys in the control room. I forgot about this uh, element from last week. Pull up the video of a Palestinian scholar who said on Palestinian TV that Israel was going to uh, either disappear or move to Ukraine. I forget the exact words that he used, but I'll give you a few minutes there to find that video, and we'll go ahead and read the quotes uh, in, in this uh, Eurasia Review article from 2012. So it goes on to say that this study was commis commissioned by the U.S. intelligence community comprising of 16 American intelligence agencies with an annual budget in excess of $70 billion. The IC, or intelligence community, includes the Departments of Navy, Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Defense Intelligence Agency, Departments of Energy, Homeland Security, State, Treasury, Drug Enforcement Agency, Federal Bureau of Investigation, um, and so many others. And so yeah, uh, the National, uh, Geos National Security Agency, National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, the National Reconnaissance Agency, and the Central Intelligence Agency all were partners in commissioning the study. So all the basically all the intelligence com communities out there. So what was their conclusion? Well, Israel, given its current brutal occupation and belligerence, cannot be salvaged any more than apartheid right, so South Africa. My, my impression from being there is the situation is essentially untenable. You can't fix that problem. And if it would, uh, it would make sense to pull the ripcord um, as, a, as a homeland, right? Because they, they, they get... Um, constant conflict or it's it, the area is always going to have constant conflicts now would that change if they move to ukraine there are a lot of jews in ukraine i met a lot of ukrainian jews when i was in israel russian jews ukrainian jews i was dating a dagestani one she was hot um the this doesn't surprise me and like I said, I've heard, I've heard this, and you know, I've, I've heard that they've had eyes on sort of uh, the Balkan states and the, like the northern parts of Italy, etc. And um, you know, like I said, I've, it's not new to me this. So um, you know, w would it be such a bad thing if they decamped to somewhere that you know just uh, everyone could just say, now you can shut the fuck up, please? It could be when as late as 1987, Israel was the only Western nation that upheld on, diplomatic thanks. ties with South Africa and was the last country to join the I international you, boycott brother. campaign before the regime the collapsed. So the intelligence community was saying, was admitting that Israel was, was a brutal, brutal occupier and that basically there was no hope for and the future of Israel. And that is apartheid. Right. So Israel leadership, with increasing support of the 700,000 illegal settlers on the occupied West Bank, is increasingly out of touch with the political, military... Here's what, here's what I think. Even if they decided to decamp, right, there was a mass exodus out of Israel, there would be people who have moved into the West Bank, right, those, those that literally are hooked on the idea of Jerusalem as their spiritual home, would never move. They would never, ever move. No way, no how.
it would it wouldn't matter they've got a second home anyway in the it's it used to be part of the sort of soviet region i can't remember what it's called in russia now but um and it's quite big in terms of territory so um it, it doesn't make any difference to them especially those that are of the uh, how should we say spiritual bent <laughs> irish last wants me to play a clip of course sweetheart of course What am I looking at, Joe Rogan? This is old. The Ukraine war with Russia. Oh. Please explain to people what that means and why why we're sending so much money over to Ukraine. Um, so so let's start with with that. Let's start with the military industrial complex. Okay. What is it? Who is it? It is these massive defense corporations who make uh, all these different weapon systems from the smallest to the most powerful nuclear weapons and missiles. Uh, when we are at war, they make a lot of money. Uh, when uh, politicians, uh, even if we're not at war, but are threatening that we may go to war, they make a lot of money. And these decisions are not made within the context of, hey, what does our military actually need? What do we need to ensure that our military is ready to defend our country and our national security interests? It is uh, very often what members of Congress are advocating for, even more than the military is asking for sometimes uh, because of those rela those cozy relationships with the military industrial complex, with these massive defense contractors and their lobbyists. So there's, like a direct, uh, there's a direct correlation as the money is changing hands there. Um, the, the problem is not with the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. On this issue, when you see the, so much divisiveness on tons of other issues facing our country, everything from infrastructure to education, all these other things, you see like, oh my gosh, Democrats and Republicans can't agree on anything. This issue of putting our country in a continual state of war is supported by leaders in both parties and the majority of people in both parties. And it's directly tied to the military industrial complex's influence and tied to people who you know want to act and look tough, but aren't asking the most important questions like, okay, if we do this, will this help the American people or hurt the American people? Uh, if we vote to, uh, you know, send these billions of dollars to Ukraine, is that strengthening our national security or undermining it? You'll hear a lot of rhetoric, uh, especially recently saying, hey, uh, if we, um, we've got to send all this money to Ukraine, otherwise Russia's going to come and attack us here. Otherwise, our national security will be undermined. So they say all these things to foment fear in people's minds, but they're not rooted in reality. So what we're seeing play out now is essentially a proxy war. Uh, yes. U.S. is engaging Agreed. in a proxy war with Russia using Ukraine as their military. So the U.S. and some European countries, predominantly the U.S., though, are providing billions of dollars in funding, weapon systems, and so forth, and essentially waging this war using the Ukrainian military and people as their chess pieces in this geopolitical um, chess game. The ultimate objective being regime change with Russia. And you can see years before, um, obviously, Russia's invasion in Ukraine, uh, this this anti-Russia sentiment has been building up by the, the permanent Washington establishment and laying the groundwork, and this was the opportunity that they saw. Um, it's put us in the most dangerous position we, the American people, and the world has ever been in, in that we, Again, a nuclear I, I war. Look, and, and I know people are going to say, oh, she's uh, WEF, etc. Again, um, th think of them as institutes of convenience right now. 
because there are real serious consequences for all of these people were they to be seen to be um what you say profiting from the, the current milieu or could break out in a week in 30 days we we are staring over the precipice of that nuclear brink now more than ever before uh, we're hearing language coming from Putin, from Medvedev, from different uh, Russian nationalist leaders saying, no, Putin, you should go and use those nuclear weapons, whether they're the tactical nukes or the strategic nukes, doesn't matter. There is no way to win this. That would spark a nuclear war. It would spark World War Three. And the result of that is destruction of the world. It is destruction of the world as we know it. And, you know, I, I hate to, to paint such a bleak picture, but this is people need to know that this is the reality that we're facing, that our leaders have pushed us. It's time, folks. It's time. Ah, Hello. <laughs> You've had enough. Uh, I'm not sure who that was. Uh, new supporter. Thank you. Um, much, much appreciated. Um and led us to this brink of nuclear war. They have their own bunkers and, and ways to protect themselves. There is no shelter for the American people. No, uh, no. and again, folks, we're on the bottom. I say that the only, the only step below us is uh, Fentanyl Street and then uh, Warlord Land in Burgles continent. And uh, I say before the nukes start flying, we all head to Burgles Gaff and uh, take back that continent that's rightfully ours. Uh, I, I think it was last time I was here, I talked to you about the, you know, the the um, nuclear scare that we had. <laughs> Did so many say nukes? Ah, <laughs> uh, dude. Uh... <laughs> Please, you're, you're welcome to, uh, come on. Um, let me, uh, I'm just going to DM you uh, something whilst this is playing. Uh, in Hawaii and how, you know, this message went out to everybody saying, hey, uh, missile incoming, you know, seek shelter immediately. This is not a drill. What everybody found out immediately is there is no shelter. There is no shelter. There's no place to go. There's no place where uh, you can take your loved ones and your kids to be protected, not only from the blast, but the fallout and the lack of food and water and everything else that, that comes after. Um. Uh, New York, uh, New York City recently put out a, a PSA. I don't know if you saw it, but it, it is literally a video ad that they put out saying, hey, here's what you do in the event of a nuclear explosion. Why are they putting this out now? Because of where we are as a country. The problem is, as it shows in this video, their advice to the people of New York City is get inside, stay inside and stay tuned. That's it. Stay tuned to what? The radio, I guess. I like, mean, what is even going to be available? That's my point. Yeah, that is exactly no my point. There will be no power. There will be no infrastructure. Well, there will be bitch. no, you know, you, you see what's happening in Florida right now with the recovery efforts after uh, this hurricane just swept through and demolished it. You think about that, multiply that by like, I don't know, 50,000 times the devastation is what we we would see, but we wouldn't have FEMA. We wouldn't have these first responders who are able to actually go out and help people. And the worst thing, man, the worst thing I said when I watched that PSA. Ayahuasca man says she's so sexy. Yeah, look, um, I wouldn't be climbing over Ayahuasca man to get to. Uh... That's okay. I wouldn't be climbing over uh, to get to Ayahuasca man. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> okay. Get inside, stay inside, stay tuned. At the end, I'm assuming as an actor they hired to do this, she looks in the camera and she's like, You got this, New York. Like, what in the world? These these people are creating this false sense of security for the American people saying like, oh, yeah, take shelter. 
but there is no shelter. We should watch that because it's so crazy. Yeah, it is insane. It. We should let's watch that because it's it's. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why. Just know that the big one has hit. Okay. So, what do we do? There are three important steps that I want you to remember. Big Step smile. one: get inside fast. You, your friends, your family, get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Their smiles. I know. Big Step smile. two: stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. Yes, make sure Step you're three. in the nude when Stay all the blast comes in. Follow for media for more information. Blast. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. All right, you've got this. Shit. <laughs> officials like who? Is she gonna tell you? She's gonna tell you? Right. Like who's the officials? People that they elected? Who? Who? Who's gonna tell you it's okay to go outside during a nuclear blast exactly. in the United States? Something that's never happened ever, and that we're completely woefully unprepared for. Exactly. You got this. You got this. She's so pretty though. Your big smile. <laughs> She's got a nice smile. She's got a great smile. That's probably why they hired her. It's that is a crazy thing to put out there. First of all, because like, what, what is it? What's the purpose of that? Is that to reassure people? Like, what is the purpose of that? Yeah. Is, it's not to inform people because no. none of what she said makes any sense. No. Oh, get in the middle of the room? Right. Oh, that's okay. Right. The outside's not good? Just stay away from the window. The middle's not going to be. Because the radiation is not. It just stays, but. Yeah. Radiation, it's kind of like a fog machine. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't, doesn't get inside. Like, what? I, um, I was in, I think it was after my second deployment. Uh, when I came back from the Middle East, I went on a trip and did some travel uh, through Eastern Europe and went and actually visited Chernobyl. And uh, it was astonishing to me even decades after that happened because I was curious. I'd heard about it and it's like, OK, um, went on this little bus and went out there. They gave us these radiation monitors, uh, these handheld radiation monitors so that wherever we were, you know, you could kind of test and see where the radiation uh, still existed. They're like, oh, you're going to see apple trees and things like that. Don't eat any of the fruit because it's contaminated. It is mm. still contaminated decades later. Walking through the middle of the town, I know everyone's seen the pictures and obviously now with that Chernobyl series, uh, I think that Netflix did, um, more and more people know the story, but, you know, walking through like the school and the classrooms where the desks and the books and the kids' shoes and the deflated basketballs, everything is still there um, in the way that it was when people fled and had to evacuate uh, when that nuclear plant melted down. Uh, it, it was so eerie walking through there. Um, you, you could you could almost kind of feel feel the heaviness of of what happened there, and then as as we were leaving after we left uh, and were crossing back into Ukraine, um, we had to go through these like before we got on the bus we had to go through these radiation um, kind of like the thing you walk through in TSA except it tests for radiation to make sure you're not actually bringing any contaminants with you back into society. All of that is to say like this is what we're talking about. So you see that kind of video. And you see how completely out of touch it is with the reality of what could happen uh, in the event in the event of a nuclear attack. And the fact that, you know, Russia's got what over 6,000 nuclear warheads. The United States has over 5,000 nuclear warheads, both countries making up 90 percent. There's a there's a interesting um, video clip that someone was playing or someone dropped in the discord. And um, it's this nuclear expert in the 70s going around um showing people 
radioactive material. Like one is uranium oxide, the other is, and he's got like a um, packet of caffeine pills. And he's saying to people, um, who who would, um, which would you eat, basically? And basically he's turning around and saying that the uranium oxide is uh, far, far safer. And he even sort of licks it and goes to the, or, or, or makes a point about how um, him opening that bottle um, is enough to, by the EPA standards, to say that that, that he's caused um, nuclear contamination. And what he what he does, if someone has a link to that, so he puts the uranium oxide on on his hand, basically, and he gets a uh, what do you call it? Radiation meter. What are they called? Ah. Geiger counter. And he puts it next to it, and it, of course, it's sort of crackling away and then he sort of puts it on the other side of his hand and there's no radiation and he's he's saying that oh you know there's there's too much drama being made about um nuclear fuels and nuclear materials we're being way way too spooked by them etc and it's quite an interesting um little uh clip right someone someone who's very very comfortable in their field um messing around with like i say it's i think he has uranium oxide and then he has plutonium and um he's sort of he's he's trying to sort of um give you metrics and scales so that you sort of understand um the maybe they do uh, make it sound worse than it is but that a critical factor that he doesn't mention is the the dispersal that you get with this radiation where it gets into dust and it gets into soil and it's kicked up such that you do you do breathe in hot particles would be my understanding of the um the risks and it's not so much the uh the gamma radiation which is the problem right which is what you get with wow um oh joe skynet thank you very much um when that detonates right you get a, a flash and then you get the gamma rays etc and it's um it's over very 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 quickly but it's the alpha and beta particles which are the problem because you then consume them because they cover everything because of the dust and i don't think he, that wasn't really addressed in his um his uh physics lesson for want of a better um expression so uh, let's see. Remember the Christmas Island nuke? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, made it to a life for a change. Headless rooster could see. Well, um, apparently, uh, Twitch has been broken for a long, long time. She ain't no Churchill, bruv. This is what passes for a modern leader for times of strife. <laughs> Galen Windsor. Yes, that's it. Thank you, thank you. I will, I will look for that. Galen Windsor. And he's not, uh, is that it? That they actually glowed in the dark from the infrared heat. It's not, it's not the talk I'm looking for. But he's, give, he's giving a lecture where he's Plutonium going around. became $10 a gram. 
it steadily went down to where its present worth on the market is a minus $2 a gram per year. That's what it costs you to hold on to a plutonium inventory on a material that uh, has been I work declared with geotechs that scan things. I build their rocking heavy radiation on a daily in their little machines. And rubber um, stamp by the Congress of the United Windsor States. Is the expert and they're spending the billions issue, maybe. of dollars digging holes in no big ordinary thing. rock. I just watched Chernobyl again. It didn't look so like much of a party time. Dispose um, of it. Irish last gives the link, maybe. Hello and welcome to Chi, the contemporary okay, history intervention. This week's edition is about one of the favorite parts. Properly stored in air-cooled dry storage in a cost-effective manner. Newchem in Germany offers this immediate and long-term option as a necessary and safe step prior to reprocessing. They're doing it in Europe. At least four regionally located facilities are available in the United States where this concept can be used right now. Barnwell Nuclear Fuel Plant in South Carolina. Midwest Fuel Recovery Plant in Morris, Illinois, this one. Nuclear Fuel Services in upstate New York. And Redox Processing Plant at Hanford, Washington. These fully shielded, already radioactively contaminated storage areas have secure, limited access. All have been operated under processing conditions of 10 CFR 50, and the MFRP has a 10 CFR 70 storage license, the only licensed storage facility away from a reactor in the United States. It singly, all by itself... The, the, here's, a, here's a little clip of... Uh... And and that's radioactive contamination. Is it radioactive? Yeah, it is. Very radioactive. Now, decontamination is nothing but scooping it back up and putting it into the bottle. I just now decontaminated my hand. No, I didn't do such a good job. Not good at all. Is it still radioactive? Yeah, that's called residual radioactivity. Now, under the decontamination rules of the government, when you decontaminate somebody like this that's that contaminated, and this is certainly a reportable incident under current DOE regulations, when you decontaminate it, it has to go down a controlled drain so that you don't disperse radioactivity. Do I qualify as a controlled drain? <laughs> That material that I just ate is uh, not soluble in body fluids. Like it's been this. It's uh, uh, was fired was originally at 940 degrees C, where it becomes U308, known in the industry as HCl insoluble. In other words, it will not dissolve in concentrated hydrochloric acid. Hot. Your stomach has 10th normal hydrochloric acid in it, so it won't even dissolve. 
the stuff is so fine that it has no texture to it. It doesn't even feel rough. So it's tasteless, odorless, has no texture. How's it supposed to hurt me? Because I've been eating this on lecture tour for two years, the state of Washington felt it necessary to <laughs> confiscate my uranium samples so that I would be safe. <laughs> Dr. Fulton from the Hanford Environmental Health Foundation called up and he says, hey, I heard one of your guys OD'd on uranium today, Galen. So there's a longer clip of this. And um, look, <laughs> I've had to work around nuclear energy. And yeah, we took lots of precautions. Now, there was never any accidents. And um, I'd seen people, well, I'd seen photographs of people who got hurt because eh, they got caught in the iron beams and yada, yada, right? It, it, it happens, right? <laughs> now, I don't, I don't know if, what, the, what the biological consequences are of, of dispersing that. Now, my understanding is, is that, that that powder is putting out little little high energy particles the alpha and beta particles which are protons which basically can rip through and cause genetic damage that's my understanding now uh, what did what did galen windsor die from did he die from cancer that's the question let's have a look i don't know <laughs> galen windsor. how did he die Uh, died of leukemia. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, Owen's new nuclear daddy, Galen Windsor, died of leukemia. Who would have thought swallowing uranium could cause cancer? Is this about bear brain? Ah, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this is a smart tactic. His daddy figures can't constantly reject his cringeworthy advances if they're too dead to react. <laughs> Uranium does not exist. <laughs> they, they know I win all. <laughs> oh, man. Owen reads chat from this evening's IG stream. I'm thinking about killing myself without blinking. Well, now you're banned from here. Just continue talking without nothing happened. Okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, bear brain. I've missed bear brain. <laughs> What's this radioactive kids game? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Ah, science kits these days don't contain many items. They don't. Um, salt, balloons, magnets, and a few odds and ends. But kids who were lucky enough to have wealthy parents in the early 1950s had the unprecedented chance to play with uranium ore in this very cool science kit. The Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Lab was only sold from 1951 to 1952. And at the time, its $50 price tag was too steep for many families. <laughs> The kit came with four different types of uranium ore, a Geiger counter, a miniature cloud chamber, an electroscope, a spintheriscope, and educational comic book called Learn. Oh, I'm all for that. Why not? I, when I was at school, we used to have um, materials covered, and I remember there being uranium and uh, other, I don't know if, I don't think plutonium was in there. 
but um, <laughs> you know, handle correctly. Don't go swallowing it. <laughs> what is Fukushima like? Um, I've I've never been. Um, but you know, would I go and eat the wild boar there? No. Um, but it's never had any impact on me, per se. So um, I was here when it happened. It was about, uh, I want to say, 150, 200 kilometers north of where I was when it happened. And I can remember the people just having to walk back from Tokyo, past where I was uh, staying at Rikan. And, uh, yeah, it was an odd time. That, that earthquake and that event... Um, caused me to marry my wife <laughs> Emmy so you know it wasn't all bad uh, let's see there's a story of some dude making a nuclear bomb in his garden said use the paint off glow in the dark old clocks and watches um, yeah they used to get radium watches they used to used to sell radium pills right <laughs> I think we just have a better idea <laughs> of uh all the, <laughs> just I don't know, man. Like you, you go to the you go if you're gonna get exposed to radiation, you may as well use it for a purpose, like getting a scanner and um, see if it'll see if you've got cancer or something. <laughs> Did vegetation? Yeah, everything grows. Everything grows. That's that's what they were saying about Chernobyl, right? That you could um, the fruits grow, and but it's all still covered in radioactive waste. Because it, the, the particulate matter gets in there, and so you know you can find you can find evidence of radiologically damaged um, radiation damaged fruit. I don't know how real that is, but um, again, um, Fukushima mutant. <laughs> Daily Mail, so it must be true. <laughs> but is it just a hoax? Yeah, it could be just a hoax, man. Look, I've seen all kinds of weird stuff, so... Who knows, man? And that's cool. I mean, that definitely looks like Japanese uh, power lines. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> Look, I might go there. <laughs> Am I going to eat sashimi off uh, Fukushima Beach? No. <laughs> Uh, depleted uranium shells did a number on birth defects. Yes, um, and, you know, there's a... Uh, so what do, what do they call it? Um, pyrogenic? Didn't get video of that.
But so they that's what they, they make those depleted rounds, right? Because when they hit the armor, it just sort of explodes into um, a sort of high intensity fire. Um, I don't know if you'll find any. Nothing obvious. Um, yeah, like I say, I'm not a nuclear physicist, right? <laughs> I've made water radioactive and injected it into monkeys, right? But then when I say I did that, there was a whole team behind working and twisting all the knobs and making the, uh, the linear accelerator do the, um, do the work. Do, um, do I think we should use nuclear power? Yes, absolutely. I think we should. And I think we should be exploring that technology because maybe we'd have found a much, much safer way of doing it had uh, had it not been co-opted by the weapons um, industries. So maybe we'd have thorium or stuff like that. Uh, Irish Lass gives me a thing again. Uh, Dar, I wanted to ask you about the issue of depleted uranium. In 2004, a special investigation by Democracy Now! co-host Juan Gonzalez of the New York Daily News found four of nine soldiers of the 442nd Military Police Company of the New York Army National Guard returning from Iraq tested positive for depleted uranium contamination. They were the first confirmed cases of inhaled depleted uranium exposure from the Iraq conflict. One of the people affected was Sergeant Augustin Matos, who was deployed in Iraq with the 442nd Military Police. Speaking on Democracy Now!, he described his health problems. I myself, uh, while I was out there, experienced a couple of fever one night. Uh, unexplained, I was fine during the day, and then it just hit me. I, it just totally knocked me out. I was in bed. I couldn't get out. Um, I can't remember exactly what the fevers were, but um, also I had a. Uh, I was urinating blood while I was out there. Um, it, it wasn't good. It was just a place not yeah, to be when you are blood like is always a bad That science. was Sergeant Augustin Matos. What did you find as you returned to Iraq this last time, Darjamal, about depleted uranium and its effect on Iraqis? Overall, the country has seen a massive increase in cancer rates from the 1991 Gulf War up to present, even according to official Iraqi government statistics. In 1991, for example, there were 40 registered cases of cancer out of 100,000 Iraqis. By 1995, four years after that war, that number had jumped to 800 out of uh, 100,000 Iraqis. And then by 2005, as you speak, I just want to say we're going to be showing images, and I want to warn our TV audience, um, for our radio listeners, um, if you want to go to the website, you'll be able to see the kind of images that, uh, that you captured, Dar, when you were in Iraq. Go ahead. Keep saying what you were saying. The most recent statistic I'll end with before I get into Fallujah and what these images are showing is that in 2005, we saw 1,600 Iraqis with cancer out of 100,000, so a massive escalation that continues. And going on to Fallujah, because I wrote about this a year ago and then I returned to the city again this trip, uh, we are seeing uh, an absolute crisis of uh, congenital malformations of newborn. There is one doctor, a pediatrician named Dr. Samira Alani, working on this, uh, mm -hmm. this crisis in the city. She's the only person there registering cases, and she's seeing horrific birth defects. I mean, these are extremely hard to look at. They're extremely hard to bear witness to, but it's something that we all need to pay attention to because of the amount of depleted uranium 
uranium used by the U.S. military during both of their brutal attacks on the city of 2004, as well as other toxic munitions like white phosphorus, among other things. And so what this has generated is from 2004 up to this day, we are seeing a rate of congenital malformations in the city of Fallujah that is surpassed even that in the aftermath of, uh, in the wake of uh, the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki that were, uh, that nuclear bombs were dropped on at the end of World War II. So uh, Dr. Samir Alani actually visited with doctors in Japan, uh, comparing statistics and found that uh, the amount of congenital malformations in Fallujah is 14 times greater than the same rate measured in the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan in the aftermath of the nuclear bombings. Uh, these types of birth defects, she said, there, there are types of uh, congenital malformations that she said they don't even have medical terms for, that some of the things they're seeing they've never seen before, they're not in any of the books or any of the scientific literature that they have access to. Uh, it's, she said it's common now in Fallujah for newborns to come out with massive multiple systemic defects, uh, immune problems, uh, massive central nervous system problems, uh, massive uh, heart problems, skeletal disorders, babies being born with two heads, baby being, babies being born with half of their internal organs outside of their bodies, cyclops babies literally with one eye, uh, really, uh, really, really horrific nightmarish types of birth defects, and, and it is ongoing. And, and she, uh, lastly, to really give you an idea of the scope of the problem is that this is, this is happening now uh, at, at a massive rate, and she said her being the only person cataloging and registering cases with no help from Baghdad, who is denying that there's some sort of problem like this in Fallujah, she said that she could, she could probably safely estimate that the number of cases as high as the rate that she's seeing could probably be doubled because so many people are having their babies at home and just taking care of it. You know, they're, they're, most of these babies are being born dead, and then they're not reporting it whatsoever. So this is an ongoing crisis, and the rate uh, is, has not increased since last year, but it's not decreased either. It was still, when I talked to her last year, it was 14 times a, great, a greater rate of malformations in newborns as compared to the aftermath areas of of the nuclear bombings in Japan, and it's the same uh, when I spoke with her about this one week ago. Do you know, has any U.S. government official ever publicly acknowledged that the U.S. used depleted uranium in Iraq? And what does international law say about the use of depleted uranium uh, in wartime? The Pentagon has admitted to using several hundred tons during the 91 Gulf War. Uh, it's hard to get official figures from them from this this uh, current, uh, the most recent war, where certainly they've admitted that it was used, but we, it's, you know, figures range anywhere from another couple of hundred tons upwards to 800 tons. Uh, there's been no official statement that I've seen anyway from the Pentagon uh, uh, talking about the effects of these weapons, either on the Iraqi civilian population or members of the U.S. military who use them like the person in the clip that you played earlier. International law is very clear about these types of weapons. Any weapon that is known to have a lasting uh, negative impact on the civilian population in the general area where it is used is technically a banned uh, or a highly restricted weapon. And in this case, these types of weapons should not be allowed to be used. Uh, as I reported back in 2004, when it came out that white phosphorus was indeed being used in Fallujah, that's another restricted weapon where the Geneva Conventions state very clearly that if, if there are any possibility of any civilians in the area where it is going to be used, it is not allowed to be used. So there are... All right, let's have a look at this. Depleted uranium rounds. When it comes to tanks that are misunderstood, the M1 Abrams is definitely up there. It certainly isn't underrated, probably the opposite in fact, but at a glance some of its design decisions don't make a whole lot of sense. For instance, its use of a gas turbine engine instead of a more economical diesel engine, or that it uses depleted uranium for both its ammunition and armor. To someone that doesn't have an unhealthy obsession with armored fighting vehicles, the latter may sound a bit alarming. The thought of some Fallout-esque vehicle that spews radiation after taking a hit comes to mind, but that isn't entirely accurate. There are already ecological concerns about firing lead ammunition from small arms. So why is the United States using uranium of all elements for tank rounds? Since I already- Keep in mind, I'm not endorsing it. The main draws of depleted uranium is that it's- I don't want computer games. Give me something, uh, give me something more real.
depleted uranium ammunition today on tanks. And I want to make something very clear before we proceed. This video is not going to be discussing the controversial topics about the ammunition in regards to health effects, etc. I know there is already some very healthy debate on this kind of ammunition being used, and if you wish to discuss that in the comment section, you're more than welcome to, but it's not going to be the primary focus of this video today. I'm more going to be focusing really in on the specifications of the ammunition, its history, and how it came to be. So the use of depleted uranium as a penetrator really has resulted in some of the most superior armament for tanks across the battlefield. The tank is the primary offensive weapon in any army, and nations normally compete to field the best tanks in both peace and war. The same thing applies for the ammunition being fired from them. In the 1980s, the US Army took a drastic step of arming its tank, the beautiful M1 Abrams, with the ultimate upgrade, a tank killing round made of, yes, you guessed it, uranium, the heaviest naturally occurring element on Earth. The result is an unmatched tank killer capable of destroying just about any fielded tank armor. The M1 Abrams tank was first fielded by the US Army in the 1980s. The Army had preferred the 105mm gun, the British-designed Royal Ordnance L7, also known in the United States as the M68. The M68 had armed the M60 series of tanks for decades and was considered a proven good enough gun. The M1's turret could only accommodate 55 rounds of the 105mm ammunition, a reduction from the 62 rounds the older M60 tank could carry. An even larger gun would further reduce the ammo capacity to a mere 40 rounds. Pentagon officials, on the other hand, wanted to equip the M1 with the larger German-designed Rheinmetall M256 120mm smoothbore gun. The civilian leadership felt obliged to use the gun in part way to offset German participation in the NATO AWACS program. A larger gun would also future-proof the M1, allowing it to defeat future tanks with heavier armor. A compromise resulted in which the M1 would be initially manufactured with the M68 gun, but would be upgraded to the M256 at a later date. Moreover, a later version of the tank, later called the M1A1, would come standard with the larger M256. While the tank was now future-proofed, the point about the small ammunition capability stood still. The fire control system on the M1 was so advanced that it could hit a moving target at 2,000 meters with a 90% accuracy kill ratio. The problem was not going to be misses and wasted ammunition, but ensuring that hits translated into actual kills. At the same time, the United States was researching the use of depleted uranium as an armor penetrator. A byproduct of nuclear reactor fuel, depleted uranium was harder and denser than existing tungsten tip penetrators. Accelerated to extremely high speeds, this allowed depleted uranium really to smash through just about any kind of amount of armor. The nature of uranium and steel would cause DU to catch fire upon penetration, causing catastrophic damage inside the enemy tanks. The standard tungsten anti-armor round for the M60 tank, the M735, could penetrate 350mm or 13.7 inches of steel rolled homogeneous armor, or RHA, the standard measurement for armored vehicle protection. The M833DU round, however, could penetrate 420mm of RHA, positioned at 60 degree angle for maximum armor thickness. By comparison, the larger Soviet 125mm gun on the T72 tank could penetrate 450mm of armor. Most importantly, the M774 could penetrate the T72's frontal hull and turret armor where the armor was thickest. Meanwhile, efforts to future-proof the M1's armament were coming in handy. The the Soviet Union was known to be deploying the new main battle tank, the beautiful T-80. US intelligence believed that the T-80, like modern tanks such as the M1 and Leopard 2, had shifted away from an all-steel armor to mixed composite matrix that included ceramic armors. The result was really improved with the composite armor protection. The T-80 had a frontal turret protection of 500mm of RHA, and the frontal hull protection of 450mm of RHA. The 105mm gun had finally run its course as an effective armament for most main battle tanks of the day. Improved M1A1 tanks equipped with the larger 120mm gun began rolling off assembly lines in 1985. The 1991 Persian Gulf War against Iraq saw the M829A1 depleted uranium round used by M1A1s against T-72s with devastating effect. Nicknamed the Silver Bullet, the round could penetrate an estimated 570mm at 2,000m, giving it a fairly good penetration even against the T-80 at typical ranges. Amazingly, the M829A1 has a flat, laser-like trajectory up to 3,600m, meaning it does not incur any ballistic drop due to gravity over a distance of 2 miles. That gives one idea of the pure power behind the 120mm gun with this kind of ammunition. The latest generation of the M829 series round, known as the M829E4, is designed to penetrate even further than previous versions, the exact extent of which is classified, and to defeat active protection systems such as those built on the latest Russian tanks. Whether or not the M82E4 can penetrate the armor of the Russian new T14 Armada tank is pretty much unknown. 
The US Army has not pushed the arm to the M1 with a longer gun barrel, to increase muzzle velocity or a larger diameter gun since the arm master's introduction. An interesting non-development in the face of this new tank threat. Despite this ammunition's attention to obvious controversy, the round is really not all that new. The military has experimented with it for a very, very long time. It's a lot less denser than its cousin tungsten. Uranium can penetrate nearly all heavy armor types, but whereas tungsten projectiles become rounded at the tip upon impact, uranium shells burn away at the edges. This self-sharpening helps them bore into armor. Something that is also highly attractive to the military is depleted uranium's abundance. Depleted uranium is a byproduct of the process by which uranium-235 is created. It's the most radioactive and most useful form of uranium isolated from natural mineral ores. In 1998, the US Department of Energy had about 500,000 metric tons of depleted uranium in storage. Depleted uranium armored-piercing incendiary, or API, munitions come in two main forms. One is fired from the suitably named Tank Buster, a 10 Thunderbolt aircraft, and the other shoots from the Butyl M1 Abrams, which is also enforced with the DU armor. Both types of API munitions total 300 tons were used during the Gulf War, but only A-10s were used during the Operation Allied force in Yugoslavia. According to a statement by NATO Secretary General Lord Robertson, some 31,000 rounds of DU ammunition were used throughout Kosovo during the 11 weeks of Operation Allied Force. Each round of A-10 DU ammunition contains around a 300 gram DU penetrating slug, which brings a total amount of depleted uranium dropped during the conflict to a little less than 10 metric tons. Interestingly, normal uranium is not as hard as tungsten, but as a classified technique allows it to be hardened, it produces this amazing ammunition to be used on tanks. This is believed to involve alloying it with titanium and cooling it so that it forms a single large metallic crystal rather than a chaotic mass of tiny crystals. This structure is extremely strong and produces an improvement similar to that of the difference between a brittle pencil lead and a carbon fiber tennis racket. The final advantage of uranium really is though the cost. Machine tungsten is extremely expensive, but government supply of DU is more or less free. It is likely the DU ammunition will eventually be phased out, but not for health reasons or controversy that you're thinking of, more for the military ones. It was introduced to solve the problem of breaking through heavy armor, but tank armor is concentrated mainly at the front, facing the main threat. It is thinner on the sides and thinner still on top. If the entire vehicle were clad in thick armor, it would be extremely heavy to move. That's the point that we're kind of hitting on today. It's almost like trying to make a microprocessor even faster and faster every day. Eventually, we will be limited to the physics of a vehicle and the physics of the ammunition. We just can't make enough armor to stop these things, to make it thick enough, and to make an engine powerful enough to move these things around. Instead of the brute force, the clever approach would really be to attack the weakest point, which, as we already know, is either the rear or the top of the vehicle. You know where I'm going with this, guys. Anti-tank missiles are normally starting to come into the spotlight a lot heavier than these kind of ammunitions, and I'm not saying that these are redundant. I'm saying in the near future, we may see different kinds of technology coming out that may phase out DU type of ammunition. Overall, the service record of this type of ammunition is very impressive. We know it's capable of defeating most modern armors today, and especially with the types of guns being used to fire them, they can do a hell of a lot of damage to most tanks today. The US military using DU does have the severe controversy behind it, and of course, it's going to be probably a bit of a reason as to why there they no longer want to use it. Um, but the reality is that what's this Jews call for Brandon to blackball Saudi citing Russia conspiracy theory <laughs> uh, Saudi Arabia isn't obligated to produce more oil because the US told them they wanted them to produce more oil Saudi at least in theory is an independent country that can make their own decisions okay Jews calls for Brandon to blackball Saudi uh -huh. seeing a Russian conspiracy theory in decisions of the Arabs is very Jewish Okay, what is this I'm reading from? The UNS review. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> US Senator Richard Blumenthal and Representative Ro Khanna have accused Saudi Arabia of colluding with Russia in Ukraine conflict by cutting OPEC oil production, supposedly to boost Moscow's energy revenue. The two high-profile Democrats called for weapon sales to be cut off to punish Riyadh. America shouldn't be providing such unlimited control of strategic defense systems to an apparent ally of our greatest enemy, nuclear bomb extortionist <laughs> Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Blumenthal and Sullenfield are both obviously well what can you say man <laughs> where's my button the Jew always always comes through I mean if you wanted a stereotype that <laughs> just needs the Jew throw uh, let's see uh, top attack missiles already out there fire shape yeah we see them with the javelins etc um, uh, let's see let me just catch up with the chat then I'm out over here so 
Dad, Jamal is a climate doomer, but you like him. Uh, I don't know what that is. Um, uh, I remember watching Dutch Intense breakdown of Fukushima Daiichi power plant, and there were many universities around the world plotting the fallout gas clouds and the half-life breakdowns in the order of millennia. Very scary event indeed. But, as I say, I, I haven't noticed anything. Um, fake and gay. <laughs> Space is fake and gay. We know that much. Uh, here's Al Jazeera Shahid indeed. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Amy Horsepaste. Assad bombed his own people. 9-11 was not an inside job. Is that true? Yes, they want to claim it's nuclear fallout when it's actually DE weapon tech. Interesting. Blame the weapons, not the intest. <laughs> I will stay away from radioactive materials. Uh, yes. Uh, no sign of increased birth defects near Hiroshima. Just saying. Um, is that true? I mean, I've seen I've seen pictures of uh, birth defects. I mean, the, my understanding is that it should still be radioactive. Right, if the half life of uranium is thousands and thousands of years, why is, is Hiroshima still radioactive? That's the question to ask. Right, <laughs> Google, tell me, is Hiroshima still radioactive? Radiation in Hiroshima and Nagasaki is on par with extremely low levels of background radiation. Okay, <laughs> um, why though? Uh, why can you live in Hiroshima but not Chernobyl? Uh, is now well and prospering, but Chernobyl remains uninhabited. So what's the difference between these disasters? Detonation type. Okay. Uh, Uh, do, 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 wind spread. Um, okay, reaction mechanism. Don't care. Don't care. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not a nuclear physicist. Uh, let's see. Uh, real fucked up baby syndrome. Yeah, that's that's our FPS. Yes. Uh, only several hundred tons. Yes, I said they would use the scare of nuclear war to cover up all of the genetics and virus research. I said it almost two years ago, and now I'm being proven right. Yeah, man, um, that's that's something to keep in mind. That um, the threat of or the saber rattling with nuclear weapons, etc., is it there to cover up for all the? Uh, how should we say the? Uh, foul, I don't know, foul play, but just the the runaway programs in the biodefense sphere. And, you know, again, I would um, I'd go back to the, the beginning of, of this stream and say that we should take the help that's being given right now in pointing out, right, when someone like Jeffrey Sachs says these are DOD programs run out of control, that's brilliant. Thank you. We'll take that now. Um, how how much of these programs are we able to expose? Are we just going to be cutting off eco health? Is it eco health just going to be the uh, the sacrificial lamb here, or uh, can we go the the full the full the full course? And you know, there's uh, things about Jeffrey Sachs that uh, you know he's uh, associated has got an association with Epstein, but so has uh, Robert Kennedy, from what I or the Kennedys at least. Um, you know, does does the black book make him completely 
unapproachable. I don't know. I I, I mean, I'm I, if there's intel to be gathered, um, I'll I'll put on my clothes and I'll sit there and I'll listen to what he has to say. Um, it seems a pretty reasonable position to take. So, um, yeah, that you know, it it, it is the is the threat of or, or the use of nuclear weapons designed to cover up the fact that they were involved in this um, this type of research and it's got out of hand. Probably, probably. I, I wouldn't disagree there. It's highly likely. Uh, let's see. It's Vegas bat theory with coronavirus. Will we ever get the truth? Well, um, this is where, again, we should be Let's listen. Let's listen to what people who were on the inside say, because if these entities again, if they're if they're imploding, right, because they've got too big and unwieldy and corrupt, and there are people who who can see what's happening and they want to get out and they want to blow whistles, brilliant. Thank you, thank you. Let's let's take that information. I think. Um, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think is the phrase that Nick used. Uh, let's see, deflect and more deflect is the strategy. Yes, um, the dead queen, her favourite element. Uh, through four hundred and fifty millimeter army armor, blimey, yeah. Um, Kevin, I posted in Discord about mutant animals of Chernobyl. Uh, I I don't catch everything in Discord. <laughs> I try my best. Uh, let's see. Top that did that. Did the atom bomb have radioactive materials? Yes. <laughs> I wonder why you get. Yeah, I think the answer is right in front of everyone. Um, Chris pointing to his supporters page. Uh, thank you. Uh, the average person who stayed in Chernobyl lived ten years longer than those who left. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that just goes how to show goes to show how stressful um, moving all the time is. I can't do it anymore. All right, I've got to pull the ripcord. Uh, the firefighters didn't make it that long. No, and uh, absolutely monologue. Good to see. Oh, more YouTube clips. All right, all right, all right. What have we got here? Five, four, three, two, one, fire. The Cold War saw a lot of nuclear weapons testing by the U.S., Soviet Union, U.K., France, and others. The U.S. did much of their early testing at Bikini Atoll in the South Pacific. The Soviets chose a remote part of what's now Kazakhstan. The story of Bikini Atoll is not a proud one for the U.S. Local residents there were shuffled inexpertly around nearby islands before the testing, and many were still exposed to dangerous levels of radiation. But as embarrassing as that episode is for the U.S., it's nothing compared to what happened in Kazakhstan. <laughs> In 1949, the Soviet Union detonated their very first atomic bomb in an area called Semipalatinsk, known locally as the Polygon. The region was roughly the size of New Jersey, and according to one of the program's architects, it was uninhabited. As it turns out, that claim was off by about 1.5 million people. It's hard to know whether the Soviet military was simply callous in its choice of test site, or downright sinister. There are reports of villagers being instructed to step outside their homes before detonations so that the effect of radiation exposure could later be studied. Either way, for 40 years, from 1949 to 1989, the Soviets detonated nuke after nuke here, as many as 456 of them. That's so many that the explosions became almost commonplace for some villagers. 
Almost every day, recalled one woman, announcements on the radio at noon would say, now there is going to be a test of nuclear weapons. Everything would shake. The windows in my classroom were shattered by the shockwave from one of the blasts. All these tests laid waste to the environment. Rivers and water sources were contaminated, farmland was tainted, and the people began to suffer almost immediately. Cancer rates skyrocketed, as did mental disabilities, infertility, depression, and harrowing birth defects. All in all, around 200,000 people are believed to have suffered directly from radiation. The weapons testing finally ceased with the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1989, but the shadow cast by the program remains now, I was, long. I always used to wonder what these trails were. Um, but apparently they drop uh, phosphor smoke bombs that leave trails and then it, it, it provides a sort of metric. To this day, one in 20 children the, born in the blast. Polygon area suffer deformities. The suicide rate is four times the national average. And then there's the fact that when the site closed, Russia essentially just walked away, leaving untold amounts of radioactive material behind. The towns in and around the Polygon were poor enough that scavenging metal from the old facilities became commonplace, further subjecting locals to radiation. The United States caught wind of this and launched a massive effort with Russia and Kazakhstan to secretly clean up the test site, a mission that wasn't finished until 2012. The moral of this story, as if it needs one, is that nuclear testing can leave a mark on a place for generations. The residents of Bikini Atoll still understand this, and Kazakhstan understands it maybe best of all. So well, in fact, that the country has helped lead the charge to ratify the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. What the hell got? Um, Bikini Bottom. I mean, there was, the, the, um, there was recent footage new footage saw bomber new footage is this it yeah last minute and then экипаж одевает защитные очки Приближается к точке взрыва. Высота 4000 метров. Осталось 3 секунды. 2, 1, 0. Взрыв сопровождался световой вспышкой необычной силы. В этот момент самолет-носитель находился в сорочке и последующие свечения, несмотря на сплошную облачность, были видны в радиусе до... Болевой столб, поднимающийся с земли, быстро увеличился в объеме. Через несколько секунд после взрыва диаметр полевого столба составлял около 10 километров. Увеличиваясь в размерах, облако медленно поднималось... своем конечном развитии... All right, I'm out of here, folks. Take care. Um, look out for me because I'm on backup channels uh, for YouTube, at least. Uh, thank God uh, Twitch is working. Um, all right. I'll see you in the next one. Bro, you don't know how angry I am.
You dumb like loves just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off after reading that little line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these peppers! I will fucking kill each fucking pepper! I swear There's no fucking joke anymore! This is fucking dead serious! I am fucking dead serious! These people don't know who the fuck they actually say. Fuck these chapters! No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever throws you on my fucking blood blood! Hold it, my head's gone. So exactly what I'm down for a minute. Where are these gaffers? Where are these gaffers?